information. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alert! Alert! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Raging Review Podcast. Post-game reaction, Texas State. Cajuns are bowl eligible. Most likely going to Indy. The Indy Bowl, right? Indianapolis, I'm sorry, Independence Bowl in Sleesport. Pretty sure that's where we're headed. Or that's where everybody's saying we're going. So Yeah, I was going to say it's <laughs> Shreveport is not Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> By any means. So. The Indy Bowl in Sleesport. So not not the car race or none of that. Uh Man, I haven't I haven't even thought about the Independence Bowl in like 20 years. I, I forgot and, it was even there. And if you can believe it or like it's even a worse trip for me to get there from Houston than it is from Lafayette because at least Lafayette is like a straight drive. I got to go through like I got to pass by Stephen F. Austin and all that Shaw's through the hills. It's it's a weird drive, but um, you know what? If it's Indy, I think I might have to make a trip. Oh yeah, that's a day trip. I mean, if you don't, you know, if it's on the twenty well, third, <laughs> yeah, it's on the twenty third. It's like Friday right before Christmas. I understand that that might be a little bit difficult for families, but. If you want to drive up there and drive back, it's totally possible. Uh, tons to talk about tonight. I want to start by saying I'm so proud of this team. I'm so proud of Mike. They overcame a ton, and we have talked about it at nauseum. One thing we didn't talk about was actually the amount of players that did not play this year for this Cajuns football team that played last year. 45 is the number. 45 players did not suit up for the Cajuns that contributed last year on the football field. That was, uh, you know, portal uh, people that were asked to leave, ineligible folks. Apparently the uh, the academic ineligibility issues were more than most people know about. Uh, that's according to Gerald Broussard on the broadcast. Uh, and then obviously people leaving for the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. So 45 guys that did not play. Uh, this year, I think that's a huge accomplishment. Six and six is not a it's not a conference championship. It's not a division championship. I get it. I understand all that. Were were we expecting more from this bunch? Probably. Were our expectations reasonable? You know, probably not. Um, I think that six and six is a lot different this year than it was uh, the year that that Ricky went six and six. I think this is a completely different situation. So I just want to say that I'm I'm very proud of the guys. You know, they played hard today, which tells me they wanted to keep playing. We kind of talked about that in the pregame. There's some satisfaction behind this victory that, you know, I didn't even realize I was going to feel. So uh, open it up. Jerry, we can start with you. How you consume that game, how you feel about it now, and just thoughts. You know, it's crazy because in the past, um, we've had teams that might have folded in a situation like today where you had to win, you get into a bowl, to get into a bowl. And there have been times where we've had teams that have slipped. And so it was nice to see us finish the job and finish strong and do it on the road the way we did. 
you know, these players all season long have faced so many adversities, but they still didn't quit. They didn't give up. And, you know, now we're talking about going to a bowl game and giving a chance to actually finish with a winning season and a winning record and, and coach Des's first year. So um, in spite of everything that we've been through this year, it's just a great uh, exclamation point that we were able to put into, into the final game of the regular season. And just so proud of these guys for not giving in and not quitting. Yeah, and I'm going to add on to that, Jerry. I got a little, I, I wouldn't say emotional, but I got a little bit, I don't know. It just, it, it felt good, not for me as a fan. I, I know six and six isn't where we want to be, but I felt like it was an accomplishment for the seniors on this team that stuck stuck with it. The players who could have gone in the portal that didn't, that chose to stick with us. And it's the epitome of being a Cajun is that you got all odds stacked against you and you still manage to get a little bit of satisfaction at the end of the season and go bowling and maybe bowling in a bowl near all of your fans. And, you know, that's to me, this is one of the more satisfying uh, ends to a see a regular season because of everything. Like you said, Josh stacked against us from the very start. And there are more things that we can't or won't discuss on air that even went into that even further that put us behind the eight ball from the get go. And Des just took it and he ran with it. And, and people were questioning his, his leadership and his abilities. And uh, again, we're still bowl eligible. We're going to have a, a hopefully a great winning season with a win in the bowl game and and look forward to next year when we get some of Dez's guys uh, in place. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy on the way things are, have ended based on how the season kind of progressed. And also, too, I want to add, you know, I know there's a lot of projections right now. Our fans are saying Independence Bowl. Look, if we end up in Shreveport, We've never been there before. That's our first time making a trip there. I know it's not the Independence Bowl of 30 years ago, but that's another bowl we can add to the resume of our bowl history. It's another bowl that we can chalk up as one we've never played in before. And who knows, we might draw a decent opponent, an opponent that maybe would be satisfactory to our fans, unlike the last few years where we've seen the name and it just hasn't been as, hasn't really stuck out on the page as much. So I, you know, I'm just happy to make a bowl. Um, I think this team really needed that, especially those players, like you said, Nick, who stayed, who could have gone in the portal, who could have left, who could have tried something different and decided to ride it out and put some trust into this coaching staff. So I'll take it. I, I, if it's Independence Bowl, great. I'm all for it. And I'm re- I'm just looking forward to being able to play an extra game. Well, I'll say a couple of things. I'll channel my inner Jay Walker and say, I, look, six and six is what it is. It's an opportunity to go to a bowl game. But also this. We talked about this in the preview. If it's UCF, if it's Houston, hell, if it's Memphis, that's a great matchup. That's a good college football game, regardless of, you know, the prestige of the bowl. I, I don't care about that. I want to know who we're playing. You know, that, that means more to me. Like, people complain about the New Orleans Bowl. The New Orleans Bowl actually has some pretty nice perks. It's in New Orleans. It's in the Dome. As far as, like, everything around the game, it's, it's a pretty nice bowl, especially for a G5 team especially for a Sunbelt tie-in. I mean, it is a nice – they treat our guys well. It's a good experience. But a lot of times we play teams that doesn't necessarily move the needle. At some point, I think earlier in the season, people were talking about the Cajuns going there to play UAB. And this is no knock on UAB. They're a fine football program, but I'd rather go play UCF in Independence Bowl. I mean, that, that, that's way more interesting to me. 
We have a couple of people that have requested to speak, and I'll get to you guys in a minute. Just wanted to say, Nick, you made a comment about being emotional. Uh, Dez was certainly emotional after the game. I listened to his uh, sideline interview with Cody. Some of the guys were running by. I think it was some defensive linemen uh, just, you know, screaming about how they're bowl eligible. And I felt that. You know what I mean? I felt that. That was really cool. And then you could tell that Dez was getting a little bit choked up talking about how proud he was of how they fought. And you could just tell that he he – I look forward to 10 years from now where we can sit down and Mike and he can tell us the story about everything that went on uh, because I know that there's so much more to, to the story. If you guys don't have any more general comments, I'll go to calls first. And yes, folks, we will talk about the game. Don't start hollering at me just yet. If we get in 30 minutes and we haven't talked about the game, then y'all can holler at me, but just hang on one second. Terry. Hey, I just want to start out like all, like everywhere. And I'm, I'm so happy for coach Dez and uh, y'all is, hit on it like he's been through a lot and the overhaul of last year and everything with Nape and you know the guys leaving everything and you know he dealt with that probably the best that anybody ever could and I'm so happy for him and um especially the seniors Chris Smith the guy ran as hard as he ever could he's a great example of this program Andre Jones played his heart out Braylon Trahan and Eric Gare like those guys are great representations of our of our school um, I, I love having them, uh, you know, have always had them play uh, all their all their college years at UL. And that makes me happy being an alumni, a guy that played. Um, I thought Red Zone play calling kind of could have been better early. Uh, I think this game 12, I don't know why we're still trying to run up the middle on fourth and short. I mean, hey, the O-line issues have been what they've been. But, I mean, like we hey, – but that Red Zone play calling, that screen to uh, – who's that? LeBlanc? Like, yes. That was a great call. Yes, that was that was that was, that was great. That's that's the red zone play calling, the versatile red zone play calling that I've been waiting for twelve games now. <laughs> and uh, utilizing uh, Lejean, like we talked, we, we you and I and oh, all man. of us, we talked about this since week two. Uh, but they said on the broadcast, on the television broadcast, we were one fourteenth in the country in red zone uh, efficiency. So that tells you that we've had the struggles that we saw on TV and the and then that we saw in the games. So we it wasn't just us complaining; it literally was a problem. Definitely. Uh, I mean, like, I still, I still want to see a guy like Lance Lejean and like, you know, Wildcat. I still want to see that, like, his ability to run and maybe, like, I don't know, a Tebow jump pass, something, something different. You know, that I, I still personally want that. But it was good. Um, the last few things I'm gonna say: if we do play, hey, and if anybody from the administration is listening to this, any workers, I think Haley Bilch is. It, she is amazing. She's great. She makes great videos. Especially after uh, I think uh, the other guy left for Florida, she does great. But if she's listening to this or anybody that knows her, if we play either Houston or Memphis or Tulane, if we play any of those teams, I need you know videos, old highlight tapes of I don't know Tyrell Fenroy running against you know Houston back in the day. I need highlight tapes of Brian Mitchell, things that we should have done for the Southern Miss game, something to build in your face marketing like. Nick preaches on like like that we should have done for Southern Miss. Like I need that because that can bring people to the, if, if we go to the Camellia Bowl, that's in Louisiana. That's what three hour drive at the most. Like people can go to, go to that game. People that are interested, but you got to get people engaged. We have to do this now. If you want to have people in like that, that are fans that do go to the school that are students to be interested in this, in this bowl game because like I said it's not about the bowl game it's about the matchup if we play Houston that's history I mean that's 
you know, three hours of history right there. Three hours drive for history right there. Play. And, we do and play the other thing, up until about 10 years ago, they were a pure institution of ours. Exactly. Terry, I, the, for me, and you hit the nail on the head, of course I'm going to say you did because you agreed with me, but we have got to give the fans a reason to get excited about the game. You can't just post, like like you were alluding to, you can't just post pictures of us this season doing great things. Show us why we need to get excited about UCF. Show us why we have to get excited about Houston. Tell us why we need to go to the bowl game. So I think, again, I think you hit it. We got to whoever we play. We got to put put some some film online if we've played it before historically and get them excited about the game and why they need to go because we've we've missed that this season. We did something we can fix and we can fix it starting now. It's it's an easy fix. We've got that archival footage somewhere. If we don't, ESPN has it. Somebody has the rights to that footage and we need to get it. So I agree with you. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, and, and you know what the m- most important part about it that I know all ADs love to hear? It's free. It's free. Like, you can just like just pull the footage and just take it and slice it. Like, I remember seeing old highlight tapes of us, uh, hype tapes of us playing ULM and us, like, running the score up on them. Like, you can't do that for Tulane. Like, like they missed the field goal at the last second in two, like in the, in the Norman Bowl and we rushed the field on them. We put up 40 points on them, and they came to Lafayette, and we, they talked so much trash. Like you can't – it's easy. It's so easy. And it, it, we got to do it now, man. It's got to happen now. I we all start, that, start now. Start tonight. Start and, tomorrow and, morning. Yeah. First thing. And I think you, you – I mean, you nailed it right there, Terry. We've said this. You know, me, Josh, and Nick talk about this behind the scenes all the time. A lot of stuff that we talk about – it, it's very cost effective because it doesn't cost anything. All it costs is yep. maybe 20 or 30 minutes of your time, you know, archiving mm-hmm. videos, archiving, archiving like photos it, that that's not, it's not a hard thing to do, but you know what it does? It tells a story. It tells a story like Nick, you can relate to this baseball. I remember, I believe it was one of the videos before they introduced the baseball team every game. And they would show clips of us being in Omaha. It would show us, with these highlights from 20 years ago, but it tells a story of the importance of the program and what they represent and what we're pulling for football to me. I think we need to do that more often. We need to tell a story behind these games. We need to tell a story behind the opponents we play. It gets fans interested. And that's how it, that's how rivalries are created. You tell the story. Jerry, it started with the one and only Raging Cajuns, and you had Jake being hoisted up, and you had all these great videos from the 60s and 70s and 80s, and look at our culture and look at our history. And then we decided, you know what? We're not going to do that anymore. We just stopped doing it. It, Yeah. That's so easy. One of the coolest videos was when Doug posted it was uh, Aerosmith's Dream On, and you see Dwight Prudham throwing a touchdown pass in 1982. You see... Uh, that kicker, I forgot his name, kicked a winning field goal in the rain against Tulsa in the 1980s. You saw us, I think it was um, footage from the 1970s all the way to Brett Bear's field goal in the New Orleans Bowl. I mean, as a Cajuns fan, you getting, I got kind of emotional seeing that video because it, it told the story of where we've come from and, and how far we've come and where we are now. We need to do that more often. Do it more often to get the fans fired up, and, and it gives them a reason to look forward to these games, especially this possible bowl game coming up. Yeah. Yeah, man. And like, I think it's so easy. It, like I said, it's cost effective. It's free. 
like students go back to, I'm pretty sure students got another week of class, right? So you can definitely like, you know, talk to them about it. Those who live around the area, whether it's, you know, the uh, Independence Bowl or, or Commit Bowl or whatever. I mean, like you have so many ways to push this to, to fans, alumni, like students. Uh, it, it, it's so easy. And man, I just, I'm just hoping this message gets to the right person. I love this school. I don't want it to fail. We have so much potential and like Dez is doing what he can. And I, I, I do trust him. I do believe in him, but he needs help. You just can't, you know, post a culture video every Tuesday, which I love. You can't just post those videos and post like a picture of, Hey, the watch party is going to be at, you know, you know, Pete's and Lafayette, blah, 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 and expect people to care. It's gotta be in your face. It's gotta be, you gotta have a billboard on Johnson street, you know, near black and Coliseum with advertising the Camellia bowl or the independence bowl or whatever. You have to, you got to, man. Now is the time. Perfectly said. You got to do it now. Um, and I just saw Kevin Belton got into the space. If I don't see Kevin Belton catching that touchdown against Houston and Kevin Cobb 700 times between today and uh, <laughs> December the 23rd, I'm calling every phone number on that staff sheet, and I'm, I'm fussing at somebody. Dude, I, I got to see that a, stuff. I broke a TV after that touchdown pass, literally, because I got so excited. I, I don't know. I was running around the room. I hit the TV. It fell on the ground. It was an expensive TV oh, back in I the was, day. I was on the sideline that night and it happened right in front of me. I almost tackled a cheerleader from running up by the <laughs> kicking net. I felt so bad, but it was, that was, man, that was one of the best games I can remember. That was one of my ever. favorite Cajun games of all time. And it was raining in Lafayette. I ran out the door and slipped on the concrete and busted my ass. I remember that. <laughs> who was, wait, who was the quarterback? It was that bad. Jerry Babb. Babb. No, not our quarterback. The Kevin, Kevin Cobb. Cobb. Kevin, Kevin Cobb. Cobb. Yes, yep. exactly. So we got to see that stuff. And we have really good games with Houston that we're not even talking about. That was a really nice – like I said, they were a pure institution. That was always a good series for us. I loved playing Houston. Yep. Uh, and especially as they go into the Big 12. It's just – it's just not not in cap. It's like, oh, we beat a potential Power 5 team, which, like, I bet Power 5 is a myth in my opinion. I mean, that's just – not even though the playoff committee doesn't believe in it. Like, I, Power 5 is, you know, just a made-up thing in my opinion. But, hey. Uh, and last, sorry, last thing I'll say, guys, is it feels good to get go to go to a bowl as a guy that's played in the bowl. Like it's a reward for those for those dudes. But also, it feels good to know that the guys up in Ruston, you know, they they have another losing season and they're not going bowling for like what the fourth year in a row. Second straight three and nine seasons, six wait, and eighteen wait, over the last two years. Boys, you can't spell elite without La Tech. Just remember that, okay. <laughs> That 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 feels really good to me, and also the asterisk is lost, so they won't be hosting a game. Isn't oh, it man. so great? the The situation is so great, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later because we have to. The, this team, it, that the asterisk clears is the it's, that has to be their moniker going forward. They are the most yep. charmed program in the history of college football. It's ridiculous, frauds, man. Yep. But anyway, Terry, as always, appreciate your comments, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for always checking us out. Hey, I appreciate y'all, man. God bless. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Also, you know. You get all those extra practices. You get to go to the bowl game. You get to play another game. That is so important for a team that's being developed. It's important for a new coaching staff. That's so, so big. Uh, before, I'm, Ryan, I'm going to go to you next. Before I do that, Racky Menard just, he, this is a great comment. This is something that us three talk about all the time. The issue I see, this is from Rocky. The issue I see, we have too many young new staff members that have not been around you well. They have zero idea of our history. Doug was amazing at the cause. Uh, well, Doug was amazing at that. 
I don't, I don't, a little bit of typo there is uh, and he, because he was a Lafayette homegrown guy. We need Jay Walker and others in the community to tell the staff what footage to be looking for. This young staff has no idea who we've played in the past. This is we talked about this after the Southern Miss game. It wasn't that people don't understand that Southern Miss is a good football program, but they haven't really been all that relevant in the last decade or so. But we remember the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. We remember that stuff. But some of these young diehards that are college students now, or, or non-diehards that are college students now, they don't know the history. They don't know DeLome and Favre. They don't know all these, all these different, I mean, bitter rivalry games that we had. They don't know it. And if we don't have those storytellers like Foote and Jay Walker and all these other guys, Dan, that have been around this, if we don't have anybody to convey that story to them, how are they ever going to know? Because there's nothing to put out from a media standpoint if these young staff members don't know it. So it's a great point by Rocky. It's something that we talk about all the time. You guys agree? Look, not only do I agree, but I'm going to say we need to do a better job of getting some of those players on, on the pod and talking about those rivalries. You're right. If the we university is not going to do it, hell, let us do it. We'll, we'll get the word out. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we all need to do a better job of, again, painting the picture of why we need to care. And and I think I think that was a great suggestion by Rocky. It starts with the administration or not necessarily the administration, but people with ties to the university that have a knowledge of the history and can tell the story. I think that's what's missing. And we we have the perfect opportunity, depending on who we play in this bowl game to do that. So it starts today. I agree. I mean, how about telling a story about our history so people can appreciate why we, why we are where we are. When you go to Cajun Field, if you're just a regular fan and you see those names on the wall, yeah, I mean, some of the names look familiar, but then, then you know, you think about some of these players, then you ask, okay, what did they do while they were here? What can I see, whether it's highlights or stats? Why is their name on the wall? What did they do here that was so special besides – have a good NFL career or break records. So I think that's where I, we need to step in and give our fans a reason, okay, why these players are important, what type of contributions did they bring to our program, and how does that mesh into what we're dealing with today? You got to create that that foundation that they started to to show where where we are today as opposed to when they played as well. How can you have an emotional connection or how can you have – a ton of pride in something that you don't know about. We got to tell our story better. We, we've talked about this since the beginning of the podcast, man. Like we've got to do a better job of, of celebrating our victories and knowing who we are and telling people why it's important to come here and why it's so great to be here other than just at the dinner table. But y'all say like telling the story, you know who the two best historic UL historians I've ever talked to was uh, Jerry, your father. He would always tell me about the back in the day, you know, you suck miss and uh, you know UL the rivalries that the games we would play and also Miss Gail Savoy Miss you rest in peace those two were the best historians when it came to like why why I took pride in and she told me a story about how when you know Brett Favre and Brian Mitchell played against each other the students from each side went to go get the autographs of each player and then like how that was such an amazing game so there's got to be some historians that are still involved with the administration. And with this program that can tell those stories, I'm not, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have any specific people in mind right now, but those type of people, are the ones that got to push it. That's I do. What have to happen. Number one is Dan McDonald. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. Dan McDonald yeah, saw it all, man. He was here for all of it. Get him talking about it. You know, yeah. there, there are a few. Kevin's one of them. Jay's one of them. I mean, there's a lot, you know, uh, you can go. If we really stop and think about it, we can make like a top five list of who could be 
the scribe of Cajuns football to tell the story. I think that I think that that's something that we can easily do. Gerald Broussard, another one. Gerald, great one. I'm glad he's on the broadcast. Awesome stories. Uh, We got and Josh, we got some personal friends that we keep in touch with who are coaches on the team that talk about those days. And it's cool to hear that. But then again, we got to bring those stories to the forefront. So so most of our fans, especially the students today, can understand that. It's it's the most important to educate the youth. Seriously. I, I mean, we, yeah, Don Allen, Jacob just said Don Allen's another one. Uh, he's all, he's <laughs> I was a little difficult, say, a little difficult on that one. Yeah. I was going to say he's a little, uh, he's salty. Yeah. A little salty. But, but anyway, I, I think all of this is, is kind of getting to the point that we got to make that connection. I actually asked somebody, I forgot, was it on the pod or it was in person? I can't remember, but we asked them how, why are we struggling to tell the story to get people interested in the, in the history? And, and, oh, it was, it was our meeting with somebody in the administration, Jerry. That's when it came up. And they said, basically, there's no, there's no communication between the scribes and the people putting out digital media. And that's where the, the, you know, they're missing each other. It's not necessarily on purpose. It's just, it's, it's a gap that's not been addressed. So maybe we can, by talking about it, maybe it can, it could be a topic of conversation. Terry, thanks again, man. Appreciate you very much. And, and you're right. Miss Gail did know her ball. That's, uh, she was great. Uh, Ryan, all yours, sir. Hey, what's going on, guys? How y'all doing tonight? Good, man. Yeah, I I had a few different things to say, but kind of got thrown off with the whole historian thing. But, uh, yeah, I I think Jay Walker would probably be the one of the best guys, uh, you know, whether you love him or hate him or you like what he does as far as a broadcaster, whatever, he could probably give you the most in-depth analysis and storytelling probably that this university has ever seen. You know, you go back to the, you know, the, the two lane USL football games back in the Superdome from the, the late 80s to the early 90s to the Houston games and the mud and the Memphis games with Jake. And, you know, there, there, there's so many things that we could, we could show off. And, you know, I, we've kind of seen it here and there in, in, in these little videos, you know, some packages, you know, that they show here and there, but, there's really nothing that's ever celebrated. And, and that, that's something that I, I never really understood from a, you know, a long time uh, fans point, but, you know, you, you kind of think you could always do better than what anybody else, you know, kind of puts out there. So I don't know, maybe different people given different suggestions on, on what to actually throw out there. You know, maybe, maybe that could be the starting point as to what we could actually strive for if we, if we pay, play one of these peer institutions in uh, just say the, you know, the independence bowl. Yeah. I'm just going to say, I think, I hope 7,000 in the stands against Troy was a wake up call for everybody, for me, for you, for the administration, for the university, for the community. I hope that was a wake up call. So they start listening. I think it is. I think there are things that are in motion that will put, give attention to that next season. But somebody's got to listen, you know, and again, they got to tell us at this point, it's obvious. They've got to tell us why we need to care. And and it all starts with that. So I appreciate those comments. Yeah, definitely. And uh, as, as far as the game goes, you know, you know 10 and 0 speaks for itself against you know, a, a so say peer institution. I never really had any doubts that we would win tonight. I, it was always kind of like, damn, you know, <laughs> we, we, we better freaking win or else. But, you know, I kind of been hard on Mike. Uh, wasn't really a fan of the hire. 
you know, I haven't, haven't even called into the pod or, you know, the, the, the space since we lost to ULM. And, uh, you know, that's, that's reasons neither here or there, but, you know, I just want to say congrats to him and the seniors. And, uh, hopefully, you know, if we, if we do make it to Shreveport or I don't know what, I guess New Orleans or wherever else they're talking about going, hopefully, uh, you know, we can bring a good crowd and support the seniors that's given, you know, so much of this program, you know, people like Quid and, and, uh, and Zion and, and, uh, you know, Moncrief and, and all the guys that, that, you know, give it their all every single day, you know, just not just for, for the teammates and, you know, for the, the community that kind of refuses to support them sometimes, but hopefully they, you know, we could, we could do the right thing and, and show up for those guys. Absolutely. Quib, Quib crossed the 100 tackles uh, for the season mark in this game, which hadn't been done for a long, it was a long time. I don't remember how long it was, but I love that guy just by, he's just a hardworking dude that just continued to improve. I, I really respect those kind of players. You know, he, he earned everything he got here and he is a part of Absolutely. the winningest senior class in the history of UL. That's important to me. I think it's just, it, it's, it, it's, it alludes to everything that coach Des has been through from day one, um, having a pretty much start from scratch and the way he was able to finish uh, through, through the bumps and the grind and everything else. I'm just so happy for him and these, in these players. Again, they never quit. They could have quit after the Troy game and they, they responded against Georgia Southern took a hit against Florida state, kept their heads up and really dominated today. Um, it's just, it's just the mentality. I mean, I, I've never seen, or should I say, I think that's part of, we talk about the culture, the hashtag culture. I think that's what the hashtag culture is all about is a team that just won't give up, that won't quit because how many times in the past have we seen a situation like this where our teams just cashed in and by the second or third to last week, it pretty much called it a season and just given up. I mean, we've seen it too many times. We've seen it so many times. And for this team to not do that, for this team to still, in spite of having all of this success in the past, face some adversity and not just say we didn't get our way, we're going to take the ball and go take our ball and go home, it, it speaks volumes of what the expectations are and what the standards are for this program now. So, um, look, credit to Coach Dez uh, for him keeping this team focused. Um, you know, the the grit he has. The grit he had as a player, I see it as a coach because the mentality feeds off of that. Um, again, you don't win 41 to 13 on the road in spite of your opponent that you might have dominated in the past. You don't finish like that if if you if you cash it in. The same team beat App State. The same team beat App State, and, and we dominated today. So I'm hoping they take that into the ball game because again, you finish with a winning season. That's what five years in a row uh, without a losing season, six years in a row. I mean, that's that's been on that's kind of unheard of for us, you know. When you really think about it in the grand scheme of things, so I'm just excited, man. I'm I'm just excited as a whole, and I'm very happy for Coach Dez with everything that he and his staff have been through this year. I just love the way we go to San Marcos, take our muddy boots, and just rub it all over their white couch every time. Just absolute ownership of that school. Because, Josh, we had so many opportunities this season to do that against teams like a Troy, like a South Alabama, like ULM, and we poo-pooed the bed every single time. And tonight was the night we went and we completely did what we expected to do and we knew we could do and we didn't, you know, there was a time when we 
which is crazy. We were up by three touchdowns. They scored a touchdown for a guy with one ankle. For some reason, we couldn't stop him tonight. But we go, we go. So, so then we're only up by two touchdowns, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go, here we go again. And we didn't, we didn't, you know, hit the brakes and try to go into this zone defense. We kept being aggressive offensively and defensively, and so it, it's like I, I was able to finally, finally catch a breath during the game and say, okay, we did what we were supposed to do. To me, for the first time this season, had a complete game, so that was good to see. Going into a bowl game, which is even better. Yeah, uh, it, thanks, Jacob. Jacob said that the, the last person to have 100 tackles in a season was Jacques Boudreau, another beast of a middle linebacker that we had at this school. I think that we also haven't talked about this, and, and Ryan, you know this better than most, but Mike deserves credit for not losing that locker room. You got a bunch of guys that are used to winning, and they had a rough go of it. You lose the Rice and ULM early in the season, it's very easy to lose a locker room. He didn't. And I give credit to the players as well because they went about it as professionals, basically. They just showed up and played. Well, well, let, well let, let me build on that, Josh, because, you know, <laughs> one of the reasons that I, I've been, you know, kind of so disappointed throughout the year was, was because of, you know, the high expectations that we've had and, and the last three or four seasons under, you know, uh, the other guy that uh, shall not be named. But, you know, it, it was just it, it was just up and down roller coaster. You know, we kind of talked about it whenever we were at Southern Miss, and I was talking to a couple of guys after the game, and he just looked in their eyes, and you know, they just they kind of looked at you like these puppy dogs, where they just didn't really know, you know, what to do next, or you know, kind of how to respond to it. But they just kept, you know, kept their nose down and kept grinding, and and, you know, they, they fought through this season, and, and that is a credit to Dez and, and the coaches and, and not just them, but also the seniors on the team uh, for keeping the locker room and, you know, keeping their eyes on the prize after the West was done. You know, we couldn't get the West. We couldn't get the conference championship. Well, let's go get a bowl game. And, you know, that's what they did. And, you know, they, these guys, they, they play hard and they love each other and they fight for each other. And, and uh, you know, that, that's one of the things that always, you know, kind of kept me in there with them, just – you know, if they're not giving up, I'm not giving up. You know, you could have your ups and downs. You could be pissed off at play calling and this and that and, you know, what you thought happened in the off season. But, you know, ultimately it's about these kids and, and they're, they're fighting for they're fighting for us. So, you know, we got to fight back for them. And, they, Look, you know, they never lost a locker room. So I will be the first to say tonight, even tonight, I was getting pissed off at some of the play calls on offense. And I was screaming at Des, why are you doing this? Why are you running up the middle three times on second and goal? But regardless – People criticize Des throughout this season. Some people, I won't say all, but some people criticize him on being a player's coach and saying it can't work. He can't be a player's coach. I will tell you, I don't know if you had a disciplinarian coach, if they would have made it through the season at six and six with everything that had stacked against them. I don't think if you had a, a coach that just yelled and screamed and threw his, his clipboard down at practice, you would have gotten the results that we did. So I, I go back to, I get it, you know, players, coaches don't always work out. But look, Sean Payton was a player's coach, and Sean Payton was also a disciplinarian. You could you can do both, right? But I think I think Dez had a had a unique situation this season where he had to navigate some very, 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 very difficult waters, and he did so. And you can call him a player's coach, you can whatever you want to call him, but he got to six and six when we should probably have not gotten to six and six when you look at the, the the grand scheme of things. So 
um, you know, maybe we need to step back some of those comments and 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 look forward instead of back and say, look, he he got us here where we need to be this season. Let's see where he can take us next season. You can you can judge him in four years on where we are, but uh, but with everything against us, I, I'm pleased at where we are. So I appreciate you and your comments tonight. Bottom line is, we finish the season with the win, going to a bowl game, get some extra practices for the younger guys, get to send, send the seniors off on a good note. So let's go give them hell. It's an accomplishment. It's six and six. I understand that, but we're going to a bowl game, and there's so many tertiary benefits from this. And I, I'm I'm pleased. And I'll, I'll go back to what you just said. I will forever remember the 2022 team as the team that was given. So many opportunities to say, you know what, cash it in. It just wasn't in the cards. They fought, and they earned a bowl game. That means something to me. I'm always going to remember that. Ryan, appreciate you, Ben. All right, John. Jared, you're up next. Please take it, sir. Yeah, my question is going to be for Nick, uh, especially being that he's operated on the baseball side, so he might be able to relate to this. Uh, when I think of Troy, our director of ops, he reminds me of Anthony Babino, our baseball ops guy. There's nobody that loves the university as much as Troy. Um, you know, he's played here. He's coached under a few different coaches. Um, he's been an excellent director of ops. As we build momentum to move into, you know, Coach Dad's second season and then with the remodeling of the stadium coming up hopefully sooner rather than later, is this a guy that we have failed to utilize in the community to get people to care? I don't think we failed to utilize Troy. Um I think he serves exactly the purpose that we need. Look, Bab is not out in the community shaking hands, kissing babies. He might be behind the scenes doing that, but Bab is Babs is there to do what he does. And he does a great job of it. And Troy, I've known Troy, damn, since I was 19 years old. And and he's he's serving the purpose that Troy has on that staff. Now, are we failing to utilize him in that role? I wouldn't say that. I, I still think that the the face of the program needs to be our head coach and and, and look billy napier uh, well i should say the guy we shouldn't mention but i just did he 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 wasn't necessarily the face of the program right i mean he was in his later years but you think about him he's a slow talking georgia guy and he doesn't identify with the local community and you saw that attendance wise locally so i wouldn't say that 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 he was the connection to the community, but I think you've got a local guy in Des that we need to put in the front of the program. Now, could we use Troy in a different capacity and get him more out there? Yes, but I don't think we're we're underutilizing him. I think he's serving the exact perfect purpose that Troy has served. He is the continuity from the 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 years of bustle all the way through today and and probably through future. We won't have future head coaches, but through the future, I think I think he'll be that continuity. So no, I don't think we've we've not utilized him in that role. I think um, I think I I really still think that our head coach needs to be the face of the program and he needs to be in the community more. So I think if anything, we probably need to get Des out there a little bit more and get him a little bit more comfortable in being in front of of local people. Because I think again, a guy with local ties from New Iberia, you're missing that opportunity to get him in front of people and sell the program. Uh, real quick, I don't know how many people know this, but Troy Wingarder has been going on with uh, Shannon Wilkerson. I don't know if it's monthly or every other week, but he's doing a show an hour, might be two hours uh, with Troy. And they do general topics, but they talk Cajuns football as well. That started maybe three months ago. 
I've heard him on quite a few times. So that's something that he can do. And, you know, I've made the comment about, you know, his wife is in local government. We sh- I believe because of that connection, we should have a better handle on what the city's doing and, and tie it to the university a little bit better. But it's a good question, Jared. It really is. Uh, I don't know if he's being underutilized. I think maybe we just haven't done it in visible ways. So if the question is, has he not been as visible as we'd like, then maybe the answer is yes to that. But Troy does so much, man. That dude's got so much on his plate. I don't know if this guy probably works 95 hours a week for like the last 30 years. He's done so, so many things. And as far as the comment about Mike being in the community, when you lose almost 50 players, an entire coaching staff, have to rebuild from basically scratch. I mean, I kind of wanted him to worry about football this year. Maybe now that we he's got a year under his belt and he's going into a new offseason that's his, maybe that's a plan going forward. So, you know, maybe that changes, but it's a good point. You, you want the, the face of your of your program to be out there, especially he's a Cajun guy. He's a, he's a Cajun man. He's from the Iberia. Well, look, we, had, we had the McDonald's family four-pack, and we had Bustle out there, and Bustle wasn't great in front of a camera, but we still had Bustle out there every you know other commercial break on fox 15's kids show every afternoon whatever it was but you had him constantly consistently out there pushing the program and saying hey mcdonald's family four pack he doesn't need to like necessarily be out literally out in the community but we need to get his face out there as a local guy and sell that product to our local fans and and the other thing is he's very good at it He's, he's an affable yeah. guy. He's gregarious. He's fun to talk to. He feels genuine when he's speaking to you. So it would be easy for him to do. It's just, you know, just got to do it. What you got, Jerry? I think you guys said it. Um, you said it all. Um, just be a liaison to the community. And, uh, you know, to, to Troy's credit, Troy lives and breathes you well. He always has. Uh, I mean, he's had so many different jobs within the football program. He was a videographer. Then he was a coach under a few staff, a few coaching staffs. And now he's, you know, he's been, he's been the director of football ops under what, three different head coaches. Uh, I think Dez is his third once or fourth. No, fourth head coach. I think, well, no, let's see. HUD. Yeah. HUD, HUD, the coach at, in Florida and, uh, and Des, so that's three head coaches. So he's been around a long time, and and that's kind of like th- that's the kind of people you need for this program because it's people that are passionate, not just to collect a paycheck, but they're here because they love this program, and that's Troy, in a nutshell. So um, as far as being a liaison to the community, yeah, I think that's very important, but I also think it's the head coach's job. Um, you know, uh, it, it's definitely James, the head coach's job to do it, it. It's it's a great point, Jerry. I'm laughing at James because dude, I I used to look. When I used to watch games with with James when he was uh, when Bustle was the coach here, he just look he I'd look over at James and he'd be shaking his head, shaking his head, he just mumbling under his breath. James, I was just sloppy bastard. Look at this just sloppy. I was told by a very reliable source, which if he hears this story and it gets back to him, then I'm probably going to be in huge trouble for telling it. But there was one game where Bustle was talking. You know, they were in the locker room before halftime or before the game and they were talking, whatever. And I was like, all right, I'm out. And he starts jogging into the tunnel and he was like, coach, coach, wait, dude. <laughs> and Bustle didn't have his pants on. He had his underwear and a shirt. So had he not been stopped at that very moment, <laughs> Bustle would have run onto the field in just his underwear. Um, so that James just just made me laugh. That kind of fits into. Well. It's it's funny because Coach Bustle, 
um, when I was a student manager, he would always come by Big Lynn's office and he loved this. We always, it was always a joke. He loved wearing Swisher pants. Hey, give me one of them uh, Swisher pants. Every time he loved the Swisher pants, rain, sleet, snow, hail, sunshine, you name it. The man loved his Swisher pants. But let me go back to, let me go back to Troy. One of my favorite, favorite moments ever for Wingutter was when I think Elijah was still playing here. And, um, and I, I was doing baseball. I was doing like a baseball spring game. Then I had to run over to the football stadium and do, uh, I w- I'm sorry, doing a baseball game. Then I had to run over to do the spring game for football. So I run over, I'm sweating, I'm hot. Uh, you know, it, it's like in the second quarter of this fake game that they're, they're doing. And they have me on the, on the field with a microphone with a camera in my face. And I'm supposed to be interviewing coaches. And there's, there's Troy. And so Elijah Mitchell, you know, runs the ball 60 yards for a touchdown. And all I hear is Eric Marin at the time working for athletics going, just ask him what just happened. So I said, and I had no idea because I literally just got there. They got me a microphone and Troy's there and they're like, and I don't know what play just happened. I said, so, so coach, tell us what just happened there. And Troy looks at me with this bewildered look and he goes, well, Nick, Elijah Mitchell just scored a touchdown. And I literally have never lived that moment down from the athletic department because they remember the moment that Elijah scored a 60 yard touchdown. And I asked as Troy, hey, so coach, what just happened? So that that's one of my favorite Troy memories that he just made me look like a complete idiot. Thanks, Troy. Love you, man. Not surprised by that at all. <laughs> all right, we're going to move on. Kent, you're up next, sir. Take it. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? Hey, good. First of all, I appreciate what you guys do. And the first question is, does anyone listen to the rage anymore? Hey, yo, is that a shot or, or is that a, is that a support or we're doing this show? So we're, yeah, we're here. The answer is no, <laughs> no, not for us. I that, if that still existed. I think I they have a couple guys exists. that do it. I think you guys might have sold that thunder over there. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's anyway. the thing. One of the reasons why we started doing these is because they stopped doing the rage. So we said, well, it's a good opportunity because what's more raw and fun than the post game reactions. That's where everything happens. So, here we are, right, and right. I think the Rangers are competing with us. I think that's how that's going. Yeah, so anyway, just talking about Coach Dez a little bit. You know, um, Coach Dez is a freshman coach. If you want to put it in, in, in player terms, he's a freshman coach. And uh, early on, I think, you know, if Dez would have went with one quarterback, pick Ben or Chandler, they both have played well. Pick one, you probably win three more games this year. Anybody disagree? No, I think you're probably spot on. I thought Chandler played just fine tonight. I thought there was a couple of yeah. throws I'd like back, but overall, he executed the game plan. He looked like he was confident. He stepped into th- some throws. I mean, I thought he was accurate. I thought he was good. Right. So pick one. He probably went three more games. You, hell, you may be playing for the conference championship. Who knows? But um, I, I mean, I think Michael Desmond is probably going to learn more from this year to next year than he's ever learned in his life. I think he's probably going to reevaluate some things he's done. Uh, local guy, the best thing we can wish for is that he is the most winning coach in UL football history. Because he's not going to jump at the the first dollar that comes at him. Like, you know, I mean, I've always said before, Billy Napier got the job in Florida. We need a coach to move on and be and get a better job. But if Michael Desimo can have Billy Napier's success and win conference championships, he's probably not going to jump for that next dollar. So hopefully he can learn, you know, I think he was a lot better coach in the second half of the season than he was in the first half of the season. And if he can build on that, I, I can see some success coming his way in the next couple of years. What you guys think? I'll let these guys go, but real quickly, I'll say this. When I'm looking and, you know, evaluating whatever word you want to use 
a new coach or a new staff, I want to know, are we getting better? And if you chop the season into two halves, I don't think there's any question we were a better football team. We looked more prepared. We Obviously, there was no quitting the team the second half of the season than we did in the first. I, I, that's just what I saw, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's not even Des. I think you look at as a coaching staff as a whole. I feel like they matured as the season went on. And that's really all that I hope for. And I knew the team would get better as the season went on. But I, there were some quite, we got midseason and I'm like, why are we making these play calls and why are we doing this and why are we doing that? I think, again, we had an entire new staff down to the analysts that had to figure it out. Yeah. And I think they started to figure it out more and more as the season went on. So if we hold on to a lot of those guys next season, you're, then I think we have momentum going into 2023. Right. You're right, Nick. Lamar Morgan might be the next rock star. Because You're right. That defense has just it played well. It has just gotten better and better. You're absolutely right about that. Well, we're going to find out a lot about Lamar next year because <laughs> we lose a ton. And look, we got we got plenty of talent. Yeah. I'm not worried about talent, but we're no, just losing got, a ton of got, big snaps. Got, if you go, you go pull up the roster and look at it. They've got what was highly recruited kids coming up. They've got a lot of freshmen and sophomore on that roster right now that you know they, they hadn't really contributed this year, but. They were highly recruited, and they've got a lot of young talent on that roster right now. I agree. And look, and look, at, look at Lewis tonight. Yeah. Look at Tyree Skipper tonight. Look at Jasper Williams. I mean, these are all young guys that are yeah. just starting to get their feet wet. We got the talent. Yeah. Defensive line are all sophomores. We got the talent. Yeah. I'm going to add on to that, Josh. And it's, you're Kendall not in Wilkerson a... will come back. You know, he was an academic casualty this year. He's a defensive lineman coming back. Kendall Wilkerson from Kentwood. He's a defensive lineman that would have played a hell of a lot this year. He's an academic casualty. He, he, he didn't play this year. I don't know if you remember this kid. Oh, yeah. Last year. Played He's one of our staff. best yeah. and most talented, in my view. What you got, Nick? I was going to yeah, say, and, and don't forget, I know we lose like 19 seniors this year, but when you're losing last-minute losing recruits to teams like the one 60 miles down the street, that tells me you're doing something right in the recruiting space. So I have full confidence right. in this staff, especially Des. Des is a hell of a recruiter. I have full confidence. Well, the thing is, in him. The thing is this, you're losing, you're losing seniors, but what we don't know is what we're going to lose other than seniors with this new portal thing. You know, is that all we're losing is the 19 seniors? How many kids are going to transfer out? I mean, but you know what? thing has it where you don't know what you're going to lose and what you got coming in, you know? Portal war works two ways, and, and the portal was new. This whole thing with the NIL portal, all that stuff was new this year. It works both ways. So let's see what he brings in. I think – I. I Again, I trust in in our recruiters and our our staff to to get us in a good spot for next year. So uh, we'll see what happens. Right. Hope he's a little more open to bringing kids in. Last year, it's not like he thought he liked his roster. You know, we like where we are. We don't want to really entertain the portal that much and bring it in. But hopefully, maybe because Troy, Southern Miss, South Al, they all had their defenses for for one filled with transfers. You know, from the portal. But I do like so, his reasoning. I mean, he wanted to keep the guys tight-knit. And I do – I mean, now that we've seen, no, yeah, we've he, seen no, what we he, saw, the, the reasoning makes sense. He didn't want to lose the locker room. And no, I think that he saw he, the writing on the wall and, and said, this Ryan is going to be tough. He def, they definitely recruited well, and their roster had talent. I mean, they were, they were as talented as anyone they played in conference this year without the portal. You're absolutely right about that. They were as talented. I agree with you. But, hey, Josh, one quick thing here. Um, I heard – I listened to your guys – Midweek um, rage you had today while I was watching football, and you talked about that uh, Florida State ban in the end zone when they were warming up. Yeah, 
I had I had four I had four players at my house for Thanksgiving Day, and they all said that was the best experience they've ever had warming up in their life. They said it was just awesome. I felt the they, same. They just loved it. Like I, that I, band I, was right. That band was right there in the end zone, and they loved it. I'm telling you, it was it was the game day experience from start to finish, even before kickoff. I'm talking about all of it. It was fantastic. It felt it had all the feels of that old school. The, the again, the pageantry and all of that. I mean, it was everything that it lived up to the billing. There's no question. And the band, like the band stacking behind the end zone and then playing our fight song when they went on the field. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right, guys. Have a good night. Appreciate right, what y'all do. Yep. Thanks, Kit. Appreciate you very much. Take care. Later. By the way, Josh, I just want to chime in. At least we were never losing to a team that is four and seven on the season. So we'll just, I'm not going to name names, but I'm just saying we never were in a position to lose tonight to a team that was four and seven. Hope that continues. I'm not going to say anything. I just kind of saw that coming just a little bit. I don't want to talk about it, but it kind of felt like that lull period because everybody's looking ahead. We're doing it again, though. We're not talking about the game. Uh, by the way, I want to encourage everybody to speak. We'll get you in, get your comments. Obviously, we do this for you guys to talk about the game. So uh, request, I'll get you on. In the meantime, we'll start talking about the game. Jerry, I mean, uh, Nick, I'm sure they pulled, they, they posted the box score, so you want to get that ready. I'll ask you later. But overall, I know we kind of touched on a lot of things. Did you guys learn anything new about the team today? Did you, did you have a thought that crossed the mind? Was there something that you saw or heard? Something that you took away that, I don't know. Was a lasting impression. We can start with Jerry. I think first of all, I think it as as the week goes on, the offensive line continues to improve. I thought our run game was really spectacular today. Everybody got to touch the ball. Very impressed with Dre Washington. I think he's pretty much one of the main backs for us going into next season. Uh, he's shown a lot of promise over the last three or four weeks. Chris Smith. I'm so happy for Chris, man. Smitty has stepped up over the last few weeks. He's really played up to his reputation, even last week against Florida State. But tonight he did as well. Um, it's going to be nice to see him shine in the bowl game, His, you know, possibly his last game in a Cajuns uniform. And he's got momentum doing it um, after today. So I'm just so happy for for the offensive line. You know, we've, <laughs> we've given so much flack to the offensive line. But, you know, it's not their fault. I mean, they were just their brand-new line. They had a lot of injuries coming in, a lot of inexperience. But the way they've been able to gel and get better as the season go, has gone on has kind of played into the offensive identity that we've always had, being that run-balanced first-type offense. And I, I thought that came out today. Again, we ran the ball well. And Chandler, great, great job today. He had a few missed throws early on. But just like last week, as the game went on, you could tell he got more comfortable. He was he was he made some good decisions in his, in his passing. And um, I think – as one of the previous callers said, whether it was Ben or whether it was Chandler getting the starting job and letting them play as a starting quarterback, I think we could have won two or three more games. Hopefully it's a lesson that Coach Dez learns going into the offseason and hopefully going into next year we can take, take that approach. thought Chandler had a good game. Defensively, what can I say? Outside of that one long touchdown run, they gave up six points. Uh, they let Texas State move the ball a little bit more than I thought in the first half, but overall they limited the scoring and you give up 13 points to a team on the road. That's, that's really impressive. So just overall, all three phases of the game, I thought we played well, um, needed this win, got the win. Perfect, perfect scenario going into a bowl game because playing a game like this carries momentum. So now just, just a great game overall. Look, I think I'd have liked to seen a little bit better run defense, but again, we sold out. 
and, and I said that's what I thought our game plan would be going into this game is that they can air it out, but we so we have to respect the pass, but not necessarily the run. So I think we we did that. We let we said, hey, you can run, go ahead and run. But when we get down in the twenties, we'll you know we'll stuff you. Now that that long again, the guy with one ankle that that pissed me off when we let him go for a sixty yard run. I don't care who we're playing or when we're playing them, but if you got one ankle and you're letting the dude run on you for sixty yards, that that's gonna piss me off. Otherwise, I'm complaining. We're complaining, not we. I'm complaining about being this team forty one thirteen. But but uh, other than us allowing them to. Uh, run the ball on us as much as they did. I think Chandler managed the game really well, which is what I think the quarterback position needs to be. I think that's what made Levi so good is that he managed the game so well. I think Chandler did a good job of that tonight. Some questionable calls again, coaching wise that I'm, I was scratching my head at and, but otherwise I'm not going to complain about beating a team 41, 13, and we'll get to the stats in a minute, but no, um, Jerry said it all. I mean, I, I feel the exact same way he did. We saw the same game tonight. Dan, uh, bowl bids will start going out tomorrow evening for late season bids. So we'll start finding out something soon. I'm not necessarily saying we'll find out tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow night, but that's when they'll start announcing some stuff. So there's a lot of relationships involved with that. There's a lot of timing involved. So um, I'm sure that our administration has already been speaking to whoever bowl is going to invite us. Um, so maybe some stuff will leak out that we can send to y'all. I don't know. But but tomorrow, you'll start finding out some stuff tomorrow. Um, App State and Georgia Southern apparently are in a barn burner. I don't know if you guys want to check that and give us an update. Uh, what a crazy season for App State, Lord. I mean, it would be great if Georgia We're going into overtime right now. Oh, all right, T. Well, yeah. hey, it's, 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 rival, it's a rivalry game, dude. I mean, that's that happens. I feel, I feel, so, I feel so bad for him because you can't. You can't not you can't not go bowling the same season you you host college game day in the G five. Yeah, it just makes the conference look bad. I mean, uh, well, yeah, but does it really? Because uh, they've already forgotten about it. Like, I mean, I get it that in our minds it makes us look bad, but it nobody is ESPN won't get on on tomorrow on Sports Center and say App State, who we hosted sport, uh, you know, game day for, are not going to make a bowl. I, uh, I don't know. In I our minds, it does, so I but I don't know. So I personally feel like if they lose this game and they don't go bowling, it makes ESPN more reluctant to host the college game day for another G5, in, especially in this conference. It was like, oh, man, we gave them college game day and they you know, didn't even go to a bowl. Like, it makes them look bad for choosing it. That's what I look at it because the big heads in ESPN who don't really look at G5 football and they're just ignorant and they just look at brands and numbers – they don't know, like, they, they, they just don't get it. So that's why I feel like it would make us look bad because they, in their minds, would think it's bad for even choosing them and they didn't go to the bowl. Because then they're going to think about, oh, well, uh, these Cajuns, what, what if we go, what if we go, like, I don't know, 6-0, to no, we beat a ranked team and we could host college game day and they'll think, and last time we did it, we gave those App State guys and boom, college game day and they, you know, they weren't even that good as, good, they weren't even good that season. That's what I look at it as, but that's just me. The only question I would have about that is I thought the Boone, North Carolina uh, college game day experience was an absolute hit for ESPN. So It yeah, was amazing. I may, loved it. I watched all three hours. Oh, I did the same thing. I thought it was fantastic. It was great for our conference. It was great for App State, Peer Institution. I thought it was fantastic. I think that 
I guess the question I would have is that does ESPN care more about that, how it looks on television and how, you know, all that that plays out or, you know, if they had a winning season and then went to a bowl? That would that would be my only question. Yeah, you make a good point about that. I mean, I guess time will tell. I mean, we've got to see how the end of this game goes. I know I know what you mean, though. We're always thinking about that kind of stuff, which is a shame. But thanks, T. I appreciate you chiming in. Uh, if anybody else has anything to say, please request. We'll get you in. Uh, as far as what I learned, I learned that the future is very bright. And I know it's been a frustrating season. And I know 6-6 six and six is what it is. But I still feel like it's, it's an accomplishment. I just do. And... Watching Zeon Chris throw the ball all over the field and throw darts and be accurate and be competent and run the ball on broken plays. There were a couple of broken plays where he got positive yardage. That stuff. I think Dre Washington is as good as we thought he was after the, I think it was the ULM game. Man, I, I just like that guy. I think he's good. Uh, we Again, I said this already, but Lance Lejean needs to be used more. He can be used in, he could be, do you guys remember Cordell Stewart for the Steelers? I remember him. Slash, or was it Flash or Slash? Whatever. He's our he's our flash or our slash, whatever. He that's that's who he is. He can be our Taysom Hill, man. He can be our Taysom Hill. He can throw it. He can catch it. He can block. He can run. He can do it all. And he's yeah. huge. And you forget that he was the number two ranked quarterback in the nation when he signed with Maryland. The guy's obviously a ball player. So let's use him. Let's let's mix it up. Let's let's, you know, to me, he's one of those guys that give a, a defensive coordinator nightmares. Because when he's on the field, you absolutely have to account for him. And if you mix Zylon, Zylon Perry into that 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 game plan where he can hit you, he can hit a home run from all over the field, I think the future is very bright. Look at how young the offensive line uh, is this year and how much they've progressed. Which, by the way, shout out to Norwood and all those guys, Ross and those guys. I mean, they were good tonight, and we're gonna get more into the game now. They were good tonight. I, I got nothing to say about the offensive line. I thought they played their best game tonight. I thought overall as an offense, we look now outside of red zone play calling, and I'll complain about that later, but overall offense from, from just, I don't know, looking like we had our stuff together. I thought that this was probably our best performance of the year. Number two at worst. I just thought we looked good. And I'm, I'm considering the Arkansas state game and the, and the uh, uh, Georgia Southern game. I just thought tonight we looked just put together. We looked professional, cleaned up. I liked everything I saw out of the offense for the majority of, of the 60 minutes, and that goes, again, the red zone play calling I'm going to complain about, but whatever. I thought it was really good in the second half. I thought the red zone play calling was excellent in the second half. W- where's it been? Look, if you if you take the Troy game and you don't blow the 17-point lead, which, by the way, now they're hosting the Sunbelt Conference Championship there, you win that game, then you beat Georgia Southern. Then, you beat, then, then of course, look, Florida State's Florida State. We saw what they're made of last night. They're a good football team. And then you take care of business today. This team has gotten better as weeks have gone on, and it has showed. I think last week you ran into one of the hottest teams in America, so that kind of – I wouldn't say it doesn't count, but I would put an asterisk there. But if you look within the conference at the way we've competed over the last three or four weeks, I mean, I'd say we're pretty much on par with the standard that we had coming into the season it's just unfortunate that we had such a slow start to where it's not as reflective because of the way we played the first five or six weeks. Um, I mean, I think, like you said, Josh, I think we're hitting our stride at the right time. I really do. Look, and I'm just going to say, I, I know we, we texted it in, in the group chat, but our defense in the first like quarter and a half, we're just kind of playing. 
They were just like, yeah, we're just going to play with these guys. We're going to screw with them a little bit. Yeah. But they but they came out, started hitting. Dude, Sonny Lewis. Hazard made Sonny some. Sonny Hazard was a dog. Yo, he made some sick, sick hits tonight. So credit to the entire defense. And look, it felt offensively like a business trip. And and nobody panicked. We were, you know, we needed this win to get bowl eligible, but I never felt like anybody on this team or coaching staff panicked. In fact, going for it in the second or third drive on fourth and whatever and, and making it, like I don't feel like that was a panic mode. I just felt like that was okay. Well, if we if we don't make it, then then good luck trying to move the ball on us. So again, I felt like it was a business trip. Nobody panicked. Everybody was just there to do a job. And then when we scored that that last touchdown, you kind of saw you saw the guys get excited and and you saw that that you know um that mask fall off and and it wasn't just a business trip at that point. It 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 became fun for them. So yeah, I, I was impressed. Again, there were some play calls on offense that I was a little questioning, and I wasn't pleased with letting a guy again with one ankle beat us in the running game. But how are you going to complain when scoring 41 points? 41, what was it? 41 13. I know I've said it for however many points we scored tonight. I'm not going to complain anything at this point to get that win to be bowl eligible. So, y'all know how I feel about this defense. So, I'm not going to talk down. But when's the last time we gave up a 200 yard rusher? Has and a to guy, be like, has they to be didn't like even know. Years. Like, yeah. they were like, who is this guy? <laughs> I know, Rushing man. For 200. And he was tough, and I'll give him credit. I mean, they had their offensive line played well. Apparently, they have an NFL draft pick at center, I think it was. Uh, but, but they, you know, they ran the ball. They ran it down our throats, honestly. But when the defense really turned it on was when Lewis started just thumping people. And by the way, Lewis is Cam Podesclo Jr. with about two more inches of height and about 15 extra pounds. That guy is exciting, dude. I'm excited to watch him play. And I love Tyree Skipper, by the way. Every time he's on the field, he does something of consequence. So I like him a lot. The secondary is losing. We're losing Gare, who, which, by the way, Eric Gare, All-American. I'm, I'm saying it. He's an All-American. He literally had two touchdowns called back because of horrible penalty calls. I mean, not to mention how well he played in the field. Eric Gare just out here dominating people. Uh, we, we lose some guys in the secondary, but... Trey Amos is back. Amir McDaniel's back. We got Lewis and Skipper. We've got, I know we lose Tronho, obviously, but we've got some depth. We got guys that are going to be able to play. Um, but I, no, again, the defense was good. The defense is always good. They just started flattening people. It was fun to see. I love watching this defense. I'm going to miss this defense when they all move on eventually. Uh, next year is going to be a totally different look. Thought Zion had a great game again. Uh, do you guys know if he broke the record? Did he get the half sack that he needed? I don't, I don't. I don't know. Think Hold so. on. Let me pull up the stats. I'll check yeah, it out. I don't think he did. Uh, I don't but think so. He was. He was still a force. He still was. Defensive line again played well tonight. Hatcher was not a factor. I think he he completed thirteen passes. I think on the on, on the whole night. And outside of that one long pass early in the in the uh, first quarter, they didn't do anything in the passing game. And I credit that to the linebackers and the defensive line. Front seven stepped up and did their thing. And of course, the secondary just being their stingy selves. So. I learned that uh, basically what what I already knew about this team. I like that I know what to expect from them now. There were so many games, maybe in the game eight or nine, you just didn't know what you were going to get. I feel like now we we have grown up. You know how they say young teams, it's more of a roller coaster ride. I feel like that roller coaster kind of just they leveled out. You know, we we kind of know what we can expect from certain players. Um, and think about think about all the penalty problems we had early in the season. 
We, have, we don't have them anymore. We haven't been getting penalized. That's another sign of guys getting coached up. It's a sign of a staff growing up. And, of course, you guys made a comment about Lamar earlier. Love Lamar, man. I, I wanted him. I'm glad we hired him. I think he's gotten better and better. He's learned how to use the pieces that he has with this defense. They're nasty. And it will be interesting if we play a Memphis or a UCF or a Houston that they want to spread it out and sling it all over the place. It'll be interesting to see what what our athletes in the secondary can do. Timeout. Perry was at, at Arkansas State? Landry, I just threw up his comment. He said Perry has had our number since West State. Maybe he met Hatcher. I don't know. Yeah, they, they both read Arkansas State last year. They both really? Played. Oh, were they? I didn't yeah. I didn't know the guy. Yeah, they both transferred to Well, he Hatcher annoys State. me and I don't like him. <laughs> James said he's Mike Allstott Jr. You remember Mike Allstott? I do, Bay? man. That was a hell of a fullback. He played for the Panthers or the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bucks. yeah. As yeah. My, as uh as as Chris Berman. You're in good hands with Allstott. <laughs> That's perfect, Jerry. Well done. <laughs> I hated playing that guy. He was slow as a frigger, a refrigerator, and he just next thing you know, he's just running he down the field. Bullard guys. Yeah. I mean, he was so annoying. He was, he was so terrible back then. I remember he made Leroy, Leroy Glover look like I mean, just a rag doll. One one you know, just one afternoon, just kept running right over, right down his freaking face. Oh God, that was that terrible was terrible memories, to watch. man. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey, I just want to let you guys know. Uh, if you have something to say, request to speak. We'll get you in. We prefer your comments over ours because we'll talk to each other in, until late into the night. Uh, it's, this is all about you guys. Uh, let's see. We got some comments here. Sonny and Andre got sacks tonight, not Zai. Unfortunately, didn't break the school record. But he's just been – he's been a – we talked about it in our preview when we did the unit rankings. I thought that, Zy, that uh, Zion Hill Green was going to be the catalyst. I thought he was our best defensive player. And – he might not have gaudy stats every game, but he impacts the game every time he's on the field. And uh, I think that, I mean, he can hold his own, and all those young pups grew up around him on that defensive line, and they've been good. The second half of the season, they've been really, really good. In the words of Robe, dude's a dude. Dude is definitely a dude. There we go, some stats. I don't want to get hollered at for not talking about the game. Hey, by the way, Kenny Almanderas, nine for his last nine. Dude, and pretty good. We complained about place kicking last season, and uh, he stepped up, man. He's been, been really about good. as good as you can expect here in the second half for sure. Yeah, obviously the only disappointing stat to me on this on this sheet would be uh, Texas State running for 223 yards on us, which is not that that's really not who we are uh, defensively. But again, we we sold out. We said go ahead and run, and we'll stop your passing attack, and we did that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I think Lamar did. I think Lamar said they had they have base. I think a couple of their running backs were injured, and they. He, I think he just said, "Look, I'm not letting Hatcher beat me. Do what you got to do on in a running game." Still, I don't think he was gonna. I don't think he planned to give up 220 on the ground or whatever no. it was. It was brutal. 223. Yikes. No, but when you look at first downs, I mean, 27 to 15. You look at total total offense, 436 to 356, and again, the 356 is a little bit deceiving. Um, I mean, uh, penalties and yards, 25 yards of penalties tonight, which is, and, and again, like you said, Josh, we've gotten, I mean, you think back to the beginning of the season, our penalty yardage was in the 70-year range. Infuriating. Oh, I mean, dumb man. personal fouls when it wasn't. Now, look, the block in the back on the return, that was weak. So I'm not even giving us that. 
And then the punt return block in the back, I thought was kind of dumb. Garrett had two <laughs> touchdowns canceled because of penalties tonight, which I were know. both kind of like, eh, really? So, yeah, no, I get it. But, um, again, and our special teams tonight, I mean, you look at the 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 everything on special teams, whether it's the place kicking, the kick coverage, our return game, all on point against Texas State. We, we uh, I mean, relatively close on the time of possession, but uh, six for six for eleven on third down. They were seven for fifteen. Um, nothing that really pops out at me from a stats standpoint. I mean, it, the stats basically say what I saw. At no point in that game did I feel like we were not the better team. I never felt like it was really in doubt. Honestly, I mean, think about the fourth down that we didn't get. Uh, it was in the first first I don't know seven minutes or something. Game should have been fourteen to three halfway into the first quarter. And at that point, you're on cruise control. So we had to kind of, you know, we had a couple of missed opportunities early in the early in the first quarter and then early in the second quarter. We closed out on a good note and then basically just dominated the second half. Georgia Southern just beat App in overtime. Wow. So that's the by, by the way, that is that is the eighth team in the conference that is now bowl eligible. It's pretty wild. That actually kind of hurts us, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it kind of no. Well, I mean, so I think yes somebody, and no. Somebody yes posted and no. there were seventy nine um, teams bowl eligible, eighty three bowl games that are available, and there were only like three or four other teams that could get to six wins. So, so we're safe. It actually might help us getting into the Independence Bowl because you have to remember Independence is a backup bowl for us. They're not yes. a primary bowl tie in, so. It may work out for us in the end. We'll see. If we get to go to Sleesport, that's that works out because we're gonna draw a crowd. People are gonna go to that game. It's it's a game you can drive up, drive home. It's it's basically Monroe. Mostly. I appreciate what Michael just posted, by the way, about about getting better. Texas State on par with ULM. Exactly. And we lost to freaking ULM. I mean, that tells you how far we've come as as a program this season. I mean and Mike, we I'll, I'll say this about Mike's ULM. comment. I'll say that about Mike, Mike's comment. It, it shows the maturity of the football team. Early in the season, it's 17 to 7. You're on the road. Mike Jefferson drops the football to be up 24 to 7. The game is over at that point. And they never recovered from that. And what was that? Game three? Game three or four? I think it was game four. Okay, so you, d- you don't recover. And here you are in game 12, right? Yeah, game 12. And something. Kind of similar happens where you have that bad play call up the middle on fourth down. You, you miss an opportunity to kind of take control of the game. And what do they do? They just continue working and they dominate the rest of the football game. So it's a really good point by Michael there. Good, good, good comment. I see more new people that have, uh, have joined on. If you guys have anything to say, please, we want to get you in. We prefer to have you all talk than, than we talk. Uh, stats are, they are what they are. I mean, it's, it's about as good or it's about as, I don't know. I, th- I think it's a full performance. I think it was a complete, a complete performance. Jerry, you got something? Yeah. Let's talk about Zeon. How about Zeon? Today? Oh yeah. I, well, we, I we, we got it. We got a preview of the future, man. And it looked great. I'm actually excited about that. Let alone the win. I think, I think one of the things that makes it so exciting, you know, I know it's six and six. I'll keep saying it. I think that you feel like we're on the upswing. Do y'all agree with that? Like winning the game today the way we've competed in the second half, thinking about the young talent, seeing Zion and what he has, and we've seen Zylon Perry, we've seen 
I, you know, I think is Lance is Lance a redshirt sophomore? I think that's correct. I think so. Yeah. So yeah. Y- you still got some young guys in the uh, in the tight end room that are going to contribute. You got guys like, I mean, Jacob Bernard is a true sophomore. Sophomore. True sophomore. You got Pete that's still a junior. You you, you have Fleming's young. I think he's a true sophomore. So we we've got guys that are going to be back. There's 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 some promise. Feels good. Feels good to to feel like we're on the upswing again. Where for a while there it was like, oh gosh, what? You know, somebody asked after the FSU game if we had fallen back as a program, and I actually had to stop and think about that for a second. So today, you know, today I feel like a totally different. I have a different outlook on things. Y'all, y'all kind of have a similar feeling. I'm the no. one who asked that question. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's that's why I said, you know, they asked. Yeah, you asked the question last week. Have we regressed? No. I mean, I I think it's it's not just the talent to me it's the mentality the mentality can take you a long way you look at some teams out there in college football with all the talent in the world but when they play with a sour negative attitude or a negative mentality that that's six losses right there for them for those teams and so i have no i have no no doubt in my mind, this team with this young talent that we have, when you see Lance Legendre catch a touchdown pass, when you see Zeon throw a touchdown pass, when you see guys oh, like Dre Washington. And it was smooth, smooth. It, well, you see guys like Dre Washington step up. You see younger guys on the offensive line step up and open holes and create gaps for our running backs. When you see guys like Terrence Williams get carries, that that's promising. That's very promising. And so, I look, these younger guys – that that was huge for them to get that touchdown drive. They got experience. They got to touch the ball, and at the end of, at the end of the drive, they scored. Huge, huge for experience. Huge. Hey, you know who else played a lot tonight? Caden Morrow. Caden Morrow. Yep. The, the offensive line moved people around tonight, and we did it with a bunch of young guys. And I've been waiting to see Caden because I, I, I everything you hear is that he's he's going to be a force. He's ready. He can play. Well, we saw what he could do tonight, and also the transfer from Michigan State. Uh, how do you say his name? Anova? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, and I apologize if I'm butchering it, but he was in the game. He got some snaps tonight. Uh, I don't know how many. I wasn't paying attention just to his position, but he was. I definitely saw him get some snaps, so that's that's a good thing. Nick, do we have Rory or we have some other callers? If I'd unmute myself, yeah, we got Rory on the line. Rory, what's up, man? Hey, guys, how y'all doing? Good, man. Thanks well. for calling. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so six and six, you know, like you mentioned, they blew the lead against ULM, lost on a last-second field goal to South Alabama. It could have been better. Uh, They had a couple of um, uh, bad games thrown in there. So my question is, you think they're going to Shreveport. What conference is also uh, hooked in to that bowl game? I I will tell you one second. I think it's also a backup bowl for the AAC. And that's why Memphis, UCF, and Houston were the the options. I'm not 100% on that, but I think that that's the deal, Jerry. Look, you give me Memphis, I'll take that all day. All day. Um, Arkansas State give, gave Memphis all they wanted. Was that this year or last year? That was this year. Yeah, They lost sure. by maybe 12, I think, at it home. It was close the whole game. Something. It, was double, it was double digits, but it wasn't much. Right, right. Yeah, so listen, watching the game on TV, it looked like they had a – pretty good contingent from UL that made the trip to Texas State. If you've never been to San Marcos, I've been there a couple of times for softball. It is a beautiful campus that has the San Marcos River running right through it. Have you guys ever been? 
I have not, but I would love to go. Actually, my wife and I talked about that today. We want to go uh, tubing on that river uh, because I heard it is a it is it is an experience. I tell you what, if they had something like that that ran through uh, UL, I mean, just the quality of life. I mean, it is just absolutely fantastic. But looking at the game day experience, it looked like they're having an issue putting people in the stands as well. Oh, Rory, you'll love this. They reported 15,000. <laughs> that sounds familiar. They might have had 1,500. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So um, I happened to watch the Florida State-Florida game last night, and I lived in Tallahassee 35 years ago, and I actually went to a couple of the Florida State-Florida games in Doak, kind of, in Doak Stadium Campbell Stadium, whatever the name of it is. Now, I know that you were there last week, but I don't think you got the full effect. As good as a time as you had and as great as that experience as that was, there's nothing like that when Florida goes to FSU. I, I, I can't say enough good things about that place. From the fan base, the way they treated us, the, in, the experience outside of the stadium, the experience inside of the stadium, the way that they talk about their culture, the way that they talk about uh, Seminole Nation, the way that they, everywhere you go, there's some piece of history to tell you why it's important to be here and why this place is important. Rory, I don't know, man. I, I It was outstanding. I'd go back tomorrow if I had the opportunity. And plus they have great oh, no, no, gifts no, no. on Twitter. So let's uh, give them those props. Oh yeah, let's, let's get into that. <laughs> hey, by the way, all those gifts got us a whole bunch of uh, Florida State people in our in our space tonight. So take that. <sighs> <laughs> well look thanks for giving me the opportunity to uh to call in i appreciate it and uh look forward to uh seeing where the cajuns are going for the bowl game and look to answer your question rory it looks like the independence bowl in 2022 it is the independence bowl versus aac so i'm assuming they get they get a pick from whoever their pool is but good sources have said they have been at our last home game and then again at the game tonight so there's a really good chance we'll be at the Indie Bowl and um, looking forward to it if everything works out. Yeah like, yeah, like you mentioned, it's not far. It's just right up the road, and I'm sure uh, the Cajun fans will turn out. And we've uh, never been. We've yeah, never we've played never in the Independence Bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, listen, thanks again. Y'all have a nice rest of your weekend. I think for our situation, it's the best we can do. Uh, Rory, thanks for supporting the pod. By the way, this man does a fantastic softball pod. Go check it out. If you send that link, I'll, I'll post it to our stuff so people can go check out the softball pod. Anyway, thanks to Rory for calling in. Uh, I don't know. I haven't talked to Kyle today, so he may not chime in. I always look forward to the coronary call. I feel like I feel like our best calls, though, are when we lose. Kyle is fired up. When we win, he, he, turns, into, he turns into Lucy on peanuts. I don't know what, what's up with that. I'm just reading Jesse's comments. I thought he was going to say something about. Yeah, the I looked at the Wikipedia, and um, and the answer from the Wikipedia page. Or, I'm sorry, not Wikipedia, but from the Indie Bowl page was that 2022 was Independence Bowl, whatever that means, versus AAC. So again, I'm assuming they can extend an invite, but I'm sure it has to do with bowl tie-ins for the Sun Belt. So the Sun Belt has to be full before they can. I don't know. However, that that all works out. That also, but they still have their pick of certain, like the, the way that the situation dictates it. If they, they don't have to have uh, one particular team, if the tie-in is what it is and there are multiple six and sixes, it makes way more sense for us to go to Shreveport rather than, you know, App State drive all the way down here. They're going to try to put them 
in a place that makes sense geographically. So but what there's I think, so many six and six teams. Right. What I think is also cool though is like if we go to the Independence Bowl this year, it'll be the fifth straight year we go to a bowl game, but it'll be a different bowl game each year. Because in eighteen we went to Cure Bowl in Orlando. In 19, we went to Mobile. 2020, we went to Dallas, I think, or Frisco, Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, it was SMU. It was SMU Stadium where we played. And then last year, we were in New Orleans. And then this year, we go to Shreveport. So it's pretty cool for our players and our program to have a diverse bowling, a bowl track record instead of going to the same bowl every year or going to only one or two bowls. Like, at least we can say we've been to different bowl games. You know, and if we win, that's another trophy we get to hold up. Plus, so, my best friend lives in Shreveport, so. <laughs> oh, I got family there. I, look, I, I, hey, yeah, if I go, I'm calling, hey, get that spare bedroom ready, man. <laughs> also, it's fun to, to go to a different bowl game. Everybody's different, sick, yeah. Everybody's sick of the different. New Orleans Bowl. Well, it's different, you know? Yeah. Six and six, whatever. Who cares? We're going to the three-hour drive. Straight I-49, man. Yeah. Straight shot. Easy. And by the way, this is if everybody's watching the feed, this is Rory's podcast that he does a really well, a really good job with uh, for the Rage of Cajuns. Uh, it's Roar Man's Raging College Softball Report podcast. Yeah. So here's the link. Crop, copy it. Check him out. It's really good. It's really good information if you're into softball. And I'll say, come softball season, if you want like top notch knowledge on Cajun softball, Rory is your guy. He knows his stuff. He gets into detail, kind of like we do it with Rage Review, but he does it with softball. To, to the T, if you want good information on UL softball, go to his podcast. He is fantastic at, at softball, especially when it comes to uh, Rage of Cajun softball information and, and all the game updates. And then he goes, he travels with the team too sometimes, goes on road trips and stuff. So diehard softball fans, that's that's the place to go. He's had multiple head coaches on from other schools as well. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. I'm, I'm reading all these Kyle chat messages and i'm just laughing at <laughs> celebrity death match between poo poo and uh and kyle that would be uh no we got to do a tag team situation where it's james <laughs> it's james and ryan versus kyle and who would be kyle's tag team partner jmb like, oh yeah for sure done done there it is i would there pay. it is i would pay honestly there It'd it be is too fun yeah i know y'all love hearing my voice uh, no always love <laughs> Uh, but I, just a little off subject question. Do y'all put Texas, do y'all really put Texas State in ULM's category? Because Texas State at least has, they have resources. I put Texas State, like, me personally, I put them between, like, ULM and Georgia State to where Georgia State's at least gone to bowl games. They have resources, but they don't have a fan base. But Texas State actually has a fan base. They just can't get bowl eligible to save their lives. And, like, and like they have a really good rivalry with UTSA a team that they hate and they just have so much disdain, but is kind of like just eclipsing them on every level. I mean, I mean, Texas state, they should be good. Like Fab needs to be fired. I mean, I'm not a Texas state fan, but I feel like if you go four times and they pay you this amount of money, they have the most money out of any school in the conference. Like they need to, they need to improve somehow. Like, cause they kind of, they are bringing us down in the conference. I think to answer your question, Terry, I think, putting Texas state in ULM's category has more to do with the results on the field than the resources, because the results speak for themselves. They haven't been bowl eligible or sort of, no, they've been bowl eligible one year. They've had one winning season since they've been in the Sun Belt, dating back to 2013, I believe. So as far as that goes, ULM's only been bowl eligible, or should I say been to a bowl game uh, in 2012. So as a whole, um, I think the results I think if you want to compare the two schools, it's the results. Um, 
Okay. As far as like resources, we we had a, uh, an episode last year. I, who was it we interviewed, Josh, uh, with with Texas State? Um, it, the name's Brent skipping Freeman. my mind. Brent Freeman, and we asked him, "What's the deal? You know, what is it of what? Why can't Texas State succeed on the football field with everything that's going on?" with, you know, being where they are in Texas. And even he said, we really don't know. Uh, They have had administrators in the past that really haven't shown that commitment, kind of like we've seen back in the day. But at the same time, you're in the heart of Texas, man. I mean, you're you're surrounded by by Texas talent where there's no reason at a minimum you shouldn't be getting into a bowl game. So I think as far as like actual like standards, yeah, I think Texas State – is a notch above ULM. As far as the results, they're pretty much the same to me. They, they're really no different. Yeah, and, and I was going back, like San Marcos, without a doubt, out of any team in the conference, is my favorite. That was my favorite. I only played there once. It was my favorite stadium to go to. It's a mystery, like, man. It, look, it is awesome. a mystery of how they don't win. I, 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 none of nobody gets it. Nobody can figure it out. I know I can't. I don't Jared, have an answer for that. Look. It starts from a support standpoint and a support standpoint from the top. And I think you have a similar situation in both schools. The top views football as like, eh, it, it's a thing. Good luck. Here's, here's your money. Have fun with it. So you don't see the commitment from the top of the university to the football program. They don't see it as a front door to the university. So it's an afterthought. And I think that's what they have in common because again texas state when you're talking about resources wise they have more resources than all anybody louisiana public schools combined look at their enrollment look at unreal look at their commitment look at exactly their facilities. but again if you Leader, don't have leadership, the support leadership. if you don't have the support from the top just like we didn't back in the day you see what happens so i think they're in that situation where they're going to keep spavitol probably for another five years as long as he keeps maintaining i i guess what he does i don't think they're gonna fire the guy because it's not a big deal for for the top of the administration of texas state now if they put a commitment to athletics in the next few years they're i mean look what they did in in baseball think about that translating into a football world yeah basketball they could be very dangerous, but I just don't. I think that just happens. I think it's happenstance that they've had success in those programs, and they happen to make the right hires. I just think in in football, it's just I take it or leave it for them. Just like ULM, I don't and think they care that they just hired a new president, new AD. They've got they basically clean house in in the leadership positions. You know why? Because they look on the field and they look at what they're getting out of their investment, and they're saying this doesn't make sense. Somebody's not doing their job. Amazing. Actually doing something about people being lazy on the job. And I appreciate Rory saying, yes, correct. You are correct. They have a young new president, so I think things will change. I'm talking about the old guard like we had the old guard. Um, But here's here's the thing for us in, in, in relation to that. We cannot fall back into the thinking of the old guard, which I feel like at times we do. I think we have to continue to look forward and not fall back into being comfortable and saying, oh, well, we're winning. Show up like you cannot you cannot have that and sustain success as a program and and build a community. You have to continuously work and try to get better. So, Rory, you're correct. They have a new president. We'll see what he does. Hopefully he pays attention because a better Texas state means a better Western division, which means a better Sunbelt conference. 
We are in a perpetual state of having to sell ourselves to everybody. And when people start to get comfortable and lay back in their lazy boy is when we tank and have 7,000 people for senior night. Don't, I'm going to piss myself off thinking about it, but we should always be selling, 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 always. We're never going to be, well, not anytime soon. We're not going to be to a, a level where people are just expected to come to the stadium. We should never think like that. That is that is death for us. But uh, but thanks, T. I appreciate it. Rory, good, good comments. Got a few other things. Oh, by the way, I just saw something from... Oh, yeah, let's talk about that JMU thing real quick before we get too far off. Since we're talking about the conference. So Coastal Carolina goes up to JMU and gets absolutely destroyed. I think the final was 47 to 7. Oh, my God. So, by the way, we didn't get beaten that badly at Florida State with our backup quarterback. I don't want to hear about a backup quarterback. And Signetti said, I don't want to hear about a backup quarterback from Coastal Carolina. They had five years to recruit a backup. That was awesome. Uh, but they got absolutely roasted. Coastal is the de facto champion because JMU would have been the Eastern, the Eastern representative for that side, but they're not eligible because they're coming up from D2. So this year they can't make the, the championship game. So everything that this football program has ever accomplished has an asterisk by it. Asterisk University. Like, it, it's it's... It's amazing. So, we've got it's to wave that rule. Amazing. It's Astra amazing. Claire's it's so awesome. perfect. It's so perfect. The Coastal Carolina Astroclairs. Oh, by the way, they're not even going to host the championship game. They're going to Troy. And guess what? They're probably ain't going to win at Troy, which I makes it go. even better. I might go. I'm serious. Uh, we made some friends with the football wives. Maybe I'll call them up and be like, hey, you remember that pool house you offered? I'm coming up. I'm I'm gonna wear Troy. I'll stuff. send you some care. gear. I have a buddy who used to work for their athletic administration. He he got me all kind of polos and stuff. I'll send it your way. I'm down, but, dude. But how, I'll go root but, against Coastal. But joking aside, how ironic is that though? Right, with everything that happened in 2020, when our team was at the team hotel, finding out that you know we're not playing in the championship game, their fans talking about oh the Sun Belt comes through Conway, and last year they blow two games. Don't even make the championship. We win the conference. And then this year, you know, they're, they're running through the conference, get spanked by a three and nine old Dominion team, which, by the way, their season ended today um, in their first year as a Sun Belt member. What a wild season they had. They start and, and, but, out but, beating, beating Virginia Tech. Right. And I think they won their first conference game and then straight Tanked. down. What but it's just crazy because – because of the transitional rule from, from FCS to FBS, GMU technically wins the Eastern Division. So Coastal, once again, gets a chance at a championship based off of a technicality. They're not even the best team in their division, and they're playing for a championship. And I'm never going to let them forget it. Like, this and is they're just gonna adding brag. on to the shit that we give these people. And they still say things like, well, the Sun Belt runs through Conway. You're not even the champions of your division. You got in by a technicality. The like, only thing that runs through Conway I mean, is HIV, on. all right? That's the only thing. <laughs> We're getting canceled. Thanks, Josh. The Astroclairs. The thing is, the thing I R. love R. about dark, this, you knew what this was. The thing I love about this whole situation is that the entire conference, every single fan base hates Coastal. Like they respect App, they respect us, they respect Troy, they respect all of these. Yeah, you're watching that, Jerry. I I saw it. Yeah, at what, least we're what, not losing my three touchdowns to a, uh, what four and seven four and team? seven team. 
But anyway, is, a is team that, that uh, an unbold team that App State beat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah App State beat the team that that's yes. winning by three touchdowns yes. against you know App State beat this team yeah. that's beating. This that was all decided by Ohio State winning today, uh, losing today. By the way, oh, we're gonna make the natty. Well, are we talking about the school across the base? We are. Yeah. Oh, by three, yeah. touchdowns. three touchdowns to the team that lost to App State. By the way, yes, yeah. to the team that anyway, lost to App State. I forgot what yeah. I was saying. That was fun. Cheers. But guys, we're but but remember, but remember, we're irrelevant. We can't compete. But the team that we've owned the last three times beat a team that's beating this team by three scores. Just saying. Just Back saying. to Coastal. I Just appreciate saying. the fact that the entire conference hates them and and sees them for what they are because it's 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 a gimmicky offense. It's a gimmicky fan base. You don't hear from them when they're not winning, but boy, when they're winning, all of a sudden. They're they're the Dallas Cowboys of the freaking Sunbelt Conference. Time out. Did Time you out. see the broken TV dude today? I don't Did even buy that because I've seen so many fake. <laughs> let's go Time on out. YouTube and put a picture on the TV yeah. and make it look broken. So I don't even buy that. They're fake just like that guy on Twitter. Look at their non-conference schedule. Look who they beat. They struggled against Gardner Webb. They beat a buff. They beat Buffalo. They struggled they beat, against Buffalo. Yeah, they 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 beat these these easy non-conference teams and yet they brag about all these wins they have and blah 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 but then you look at their wins and you look at their schedule especially in non-conference and you're looking you're like half of these teams are semi-fcs they're semi-fcs and before they get to conference they're four and oh or five and oh and they're bragging everybody how good they are and oh we should be ranked you beat you beat the worst max school you beat the worst cusa school you beat the worst you beat an FCS team, and you're padding your wins. Hey, to, to, to come I'm full still circle, at your comment, I'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, it was ranked like the highest STD transfer rate in the nation. At one I mean, point. you have a point. It's. I science. mean, it is what it is. It's uh, science. I mean, they shouldn't have messed with us. Uh, just to make this a full circle point, Troy is also my second favorite team in the in the conference because they beat that school across the basin on their home field. So. They've earned look. They earned. It's easy to root for them. Think about yeah. it. If they don't lose on a hail mary to App, they're eleven and one right now, aren't they? They're eleven and one, and they and they should have beat. Who did they? Ole who Miss. Did they play? Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. Yeah. How, how did that go? I don't remember. I was thinking they lost by like I think two scores, like twenty eight to fourteen or so something put like up that. Fight. I don't have it in front of me, but it was respectable. I would say. So I want like if, if somebody's going to win this league, I want it to be the best representative possible, right? And I got no problem with Troy. I think Summerall's a good coach. I like the way they run their program now. It's a little different than it used to be under Blakeney. I like the way they run their program. I think they have a very quality football team. I hate the way we lost to them. You know what I mean? That was hard to swallow. We should have beat them. That's what pisses had, me off. We dominated we the game for yeah, three. Yeah, we should have. We should have won wars. that game, man. We should have won that game. That's you see that now that I don't want to take any positive from today, but when it comes to like the negative side of our season, it's games like that. That and ULM that I'm looking is like you win those games, you finish those games. That you know? ULM South Al. I mean, Rice to a certain extent, Rice was pretty good against us, but if, those are three games we should have freaking won. We had it. Hey, we just, did you did you check to see if Rice got, got bowl eligible last week or this week? Because they were five, they had five wins for the last two or three weeks. I don't know if they, they won. Lost in, they lost in North Texas. They oh. did five and seven. Can yeah. you believe that? Yeah, you gotta be kidding me, man. <laughs> And ULM was boo boo like usual. Yeah. Um, and James just called the COVID chickens the uh, egrets. That's that's funny. 
A and M basically quit for the season, and they are up three scores on that school across the basin. This is <laughs> this is one hell of a night scores. for us. This oh is good man, stuff. if this keeps up, I'm gonna you're gonna have to peel me off the floor tomorrow morning. I'll be faced out in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> man, between the U.S. result, the COVID chicken result, the the that what what's unfolding in BR, and then our win, I'm pretty fired up. This has been a good sports weekend for me. Hey, and, and Florida State. I know you were really excited about Florida State. I was. You can tell by the gifts. Mm-hmm. All those gifts. <laughs> yes, that was Jerry me, Jerry loved by the, the gifts, way. by the way. Oh, I, I, I really... That was me. I'm happy to claim it. I'm, <sighs> I'm sorry, dude. I'm I, I'm not. Billy Billy absolutely raped and pillaged this program. I'm, I'm not over it. Go Knowles and go everybody else unless they're playing that school across the basin. Then, you know, I'm willing to have a conversation. We can talk, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so um, we were talking about the yeah we're talking about the COVID chickens. Um, you know it's amazing. I understand they had a backup quarterback, but how can you still play that bad without Grayson McCall? Carpenter started the last game and they won. How can you play that bad? Because they were exposed, Jerry. They Jesus. were exposed. That's Forty why. points. That's Forty why. points. I've been telling you all this. For- to Dude, a new FBS team. I've been telling y'all this since the Jamie Chadwell gimmicky offense he puts together. If you if you watch film, you can figure it out. And now now the the difference is Grayson McCall is good enough to where if if that gimmicky offense breaks down, he can get the ball out. This guy wasn't. And guess what? They got exposed. They got figured out. I'm hoping Troy can understand and watch film and know. Uh, you know, coach them up to understand that this is all a gimmick. And 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 if you can stop, if McCall plays, if you can stop McCall, you stop the offense. I, I don't know. I'm not sold. I've never been sold on Coastal. I think they're all a fraud. And I think they got exposed this week. And, and I look, think that will, no, going forward, people totally. will see what they did. No disrespect. No disrespect to JMU. Because, I mean, we all knew JMU being the dominant FCS powerhouse that they were. We knew they would be good coming in. And by the way, Great first season for, for the Dukes. I, I tip my hat off to JMU on their first season transitioning into FBS. Outstanding year for them. That App State win, I'll never forget. I was well, I mean, what a transitional year for them. They're going to be a force to reckon with, and in, in, in not only at the Sun Belt, but at the FBS level. I mean, they broke, they cracked the top 25. I mean, what team does that five games into the FBS, right? But at the same time, I understand the gimmicky offense. I understand the fact that we talk about how fraudulent this team is. 40-point loss. 40-point loss. I'm sorry. It's even no better matter, that they would have been the Eastern champion. It's even No matter better. what it explanation. It shows how fraudulent they actually are. And here's the other thing. When you're coached by Joe Dirt's dad, you should get your ass beat by 40 points. But what does that say? Like, like it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter what argument can be presented. To lose by 40 points one game before your supposed championship match. Oh, wait. Time out. Time out, Jerry. We're getting a call from Teddy Gallagher's dad. He's going to sue us. Hold on. You want to put him on? No, I'm kidding. It won't be the first time we've been threatened to be sued. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, next whatever. thing you know, he's calling our sponsors like one of our best friends. Well, <laughs> maybe they should think Maybe they should think twice before their players go harass other teams' fans. You know, they didn't, they didn't talk about that. But Hey, can I curse on this? Yeah. It's our hour after curse. dark. Go ahead. Fuck Teddy Gallagher. I despise him. The way so he's y'all know he's like the assistant. He's a GA. Oh, like we know. The, I saw I saw that is. shitty post he had I, against I, against uh, App State with the little T-shirt that he thought was cute. I just I just 
despise that cocky asshole. I oh man, we all do, Terry. Oh, hated that guy. So much. Bleaches his butthole. You know he does. I just wanted to put that out for sure. Look at Jerry. Nick is falling out of his chair. Oh well. RR after dark, baby. By the way, the Mutts lost again today. Last place in conference DOA. Thanks, Jacob. Appreciate you. Sec- I, like, I'll say it again. I'll say it again because I'm happy to say it. Second straight three and nine season. Where's all for one? He should be giving his, you know, his pump up on how great they're going to be this year. <laughs> somewhere yeah. right now, Tommy McClellan is in the cafeteria just laughing. <laughs> I, well, actually, somewhere right now, he's at, he's at, he's at uh, Vanderbilt watching his team get blown away by Tennessee. He's That's mopping the he's boys' at. bathroom at Vandy is what he's uh, doing right now. But they did beat Napier. Well, That's true. Cheers to that. Hey, that's, a good, yeah. point. that's a good point. Pour one out. That's a good point. Oh, God. All right. Let's see. Got some new people. If anybody has anything to say, please request to speak. I asked, I asked Paulie to speak, and he bounced from the Twitter space. <laughs> I don't know if he's not supposed to say anything on the, on the space, but he's always in. I wanted to get some, some coaching uh, some, from somebody from the coaching staff to say something. Hey, nothing, nothing but love for our uh... – for our former players and former staff members and everybody and that wants to players, in. screw it. They're all yes. awesome. All of them. Absolutely. We love you. Good stuff. Zeon was in the space for a, a minute like he always is. but they. By the I, way, South Florida is beating UCF right now. Oh, But I'm sure UCF's yeah. going to move up in the rankings because, you know, they're <laughs> going to be in the big whatever next year. So crown them. P5 yeah. privilege, baby. They'll, they'll move up five spots just for a technicality. What's the score, Nick? It was like, uh, yeah, 39, 38. Late in the fourth? Mm-hmm. Man, UCF losing to USF would be a story. Amazing. Yes. Well, you know, I, I want to say Dave Deion Sanders has interviewed. I want to say he interviewed with uh, USF. Um, he's kind of he's one of the top guys for the job. Look at 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 risk of going way off the rails. Why would he leave where he's at? I thought like I thought he bought in the whole HBCU make it our thing. I, I thought he's great where he's at. I, I, think, look, I think it's it, okay. Great, it, can He's I go Deion first, Sanders. Please, He's got Terry? millions of dollars. First, go ahead. Go ego. ahead. It's ego, Josh. I know that. I know Dion that. has been ego from day one. You try. He tries to play. Oh, I'm all about this, but he's not. He's all about Look, ego. I am one of the few that love Dion. I like Dion. Always. I have. like Dion too. Always I, I like him too. <laughs> I know you. Do. I like him but, too. But listen, I love the idea of of elevating the HBCUs. I think 100%. it's so awesome. No, absolutely. He, he can be the face of that. Why would you leave, dude? That because is, okay. Here's here's the thing. Okay, and then this is this is this is strictly on Dion. Dion's done a great job elevating the HBCU culture and what he's been able to do to kind of bring it to the forefront, right? But the thing about Dion is, and this is this is just, I guess, watching that 60 minutes documentary, it's a lot more work outside of the football field and being a coach, right? Remember we talked about HUD building buildings instead of building the program? Dion's got that times 10. At Jackson State, and he has done a fantastic job at JSU. He's eleven and zero, top five at the FCS level. But after a while, even someone like Dion, how long can you go for years at a time to have to basically put that all of that on your back? Eventually, when a job comes calling and entertains more money, more resources, makes your job easier, just to focus on what's on the field. Why wouldn't you entertain that? I, he even admitted it. He admitted it. When Bobby Bowden showed up at Florida State, they were Southern University. That's what they were. I mean, they were all girls' school when they started. Dion could literally be a revolutionary figure for the HBCU programs and 
like their position in college football. It's one of the reasons why I liked him so much. And I thought, and, may, and maybe it's a little bit more in depth than I know. Obviously, it always is, but he felt genuine. All the stuff he said and the way that he just invested himself into it, I got so much respect for it. But how can you be taken seriously if you just turn around and go work at Colorado? Why would Deion Sanders go to freaking Colorado? I, no, no, no. I don't think he goes to Colorado. I think I think, so I, I think I think for him to go to this is just my opinion. I think for him to go, it's kind of like what we talked about about our former head coach. You gotta go somewhere where you fit. I don't know if Colorado's really the place for him. I think somewhere. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC comes calling. I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in the Big 12, somewhere down south where he can recruit, keep his base. He's from, you know, he played at Florida, played at Florida State, right? If he could stay somewhere down south with a big program that comes calling, I think I think the sky's the limit for him. I don't know what you can do at Colorado from a personal standpoint. I don't know if 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 he could accomplish what he wants to there. That's a hard that's a hard sell out look, there. And it's I'm- tough. And Josh, I'm going to look, I'm not a Dion guy. I think he's all full of crap, but I'm just going to say, how much further do you push HBCU? Because, I mean, he's he's at Jackson State. He's done an incredible thing. He's pushed him in the forefront. But at some point, and again, this is putting my personal feelings for him aside. At some point, after you're getting call after call after call of people trying to recruit you to their job, you're going to say, okay, there's got, there's something else out there for me. Let, let's go. I know for me as a personal career standpoint, if somebody called me up from, you know, uh, a higher level, I'd have to seriously consider it if they're offering a lot more money and a lot more prestige and a lot more, uh, I guess, uh, you know, you're putting yourself out there and you're going to get resources, a lot more resources yeah. on top of that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't blame the guy, but I still think, Everything with him is ego, but that's a whole different story. And I, I don't it. blame him, though. And I get it. Here's the thing for me. Guy played Major League Baseball. Guy won everything you can win as a player. Guy, guy is in a ring of, of – he's in Florida State's ring of fa- Hall of Fame. He's in – he's in the he's going to be, if he's not already, uh, NFL uh, Hall of Famer. He's done everything. He's got all the money he can need. He, he's doing Aflac commercials with Saban. He's got all the money. But- now, I understand that he's a competitor, so I get that part of it. Here's the thing, though. What's the sell at Colorado? And it might not be Colorado. Maybe it's USF. Who cares? At HBCU, he's he is a, I mean, dude, this guy is a legendary figure. If go to go to Jackson State, win some national championships, get called up by Conference DOA. They need teams. Get get into the FBS from an HBCU. Come in, make the playoff. Contend for a New Year's Six. Make the playoff. Whatever you want to be a you want to be lionized as a legend. Do it in an HBCU. To me, I, look, that's just my opinion. I, I got a ton of respect for what he did and how he, he did it, but I, I, I would probably lose some of that like extra fervor for Dion if he left the HBCU. I don't want to see him leave, dude. I believe in what he's doing. I hope he does too. But I just don't see Jackson State ever being an FBS. I, Georgia I just Southern. don't. Georgia Southern. I, I mean, Georgia Southern is not that's an a FB, whole different that, situation. They're not an HBCU, though. Right. I, I, know, I know they're not, but like, what I'm saying and you is, see, is here's, they, they were D2. But they right. got the, they got called up because of the history and because of their fan base and because of what they can offer the FBS. HBCU is underserved. They don't have the support. They don't have the resources. If Dion could pull that off, he's a legendary figure forever. There's no doubt, but also too within HBCUs, those schools stick together. And, and, and look, I'm 
I know people from Southern. I know people from Grambling. I've met people within the HBCU culture. That is a very close-knit group that really appreciate their history. And if you have a school that decides, well, we want to be big time, and I understand the business model. Obviously, you want to be the best, but sure. you're dealing with a conference like, like, for example, the SWAC. Dude, that's a culture that's a very proud culture. That is a historical culture. That's a culture that is very, very adamant to really college football history. And so this group, they, 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 they all stick together. They have traditions that stay together, you know, from the marching bands, the pageantry. Um, and look, I've had people, like, I know this because I've had people from within the SWAC explain this to me. So I, it's hard to see a school from within, within Jackson State just venture out because of the historical uh, I guess the st- historical implication that it has. Um, but also too, I think the main thing is, do they have the budget to do it? I, look, Deion Sanders came in, he donated his money to build stuff. I mean, that was his money he used. Can they get the money from other uh, donor? Look, that's one of the things he has always said since he's come into Jackson State. He's like, look, in order for us to be better, we need the community, the alumni. We got a strong fan base. We got 60,000 people show up. Time to pull out those checkbooks and start writing checks. But dude, that's, think, think of that's all how the you NFL get. players. When didn't they just get the number one recruit in the country? They the did. Number and look, one recruit in the country went to an HBCU in the swack. When he go gets when he he's gonna go get paid in the NFL one day, and when he does, he's not gonna forget Jackson State or Deion Sanders. And if but you here's, want here's, resources and you need donors, that's how you do it. But that same player is not gonna go play at USF. That he's he's exactly. intentionally going to Jackson State because they're at HBCU. There's if an Jackson extra layer. State, if Jackson State goes to Conference USA, they're no longer an HBCU. Is there still that? that well, no, they'll, they'll still be an HBCU. They'll just be FBS. But it's well, not it's, the it's, same. It's, to it's, me, it's, it's not the it, same. Yeah, it's not the same. And it's different from a monetary standpoint because one thing that Jackson State will have to do is – look, ULM, prime example, $15 million budget. It's one of the lowest in all of FBS. Now, if I were to take a guess at Jackson State's budget, I would say it's less than that. Can a school with less than that type of budget, and we talk about Jack, I mean, uh, at ULM all the time, not having enough money to compete. If you have a school that has less than ULM come in, regardless of their success, can they survive for a long period of time if they don't are not able to build that budget up? What if Dion eventually leaves? What if a new coach comes in and loses? Then what happens? And then now you have a low budget. That's I think that's what I think that's the big fear of of a Jackson state coming in, not because they can't do it. Look, I, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't, I would be scared to play Jackson state right now. Cause no telling what they could do, but it's from a, it's from an entire program standpoint. Can they maintain, um, can they maintain it financially? I, I, I don't know. I'm scared of Jackson state for what they did to us when we were number one in, in baseball. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and last I, year in basketball and, and basketball. Was, too. <laughs> and I was, I was sitting, dude, that is the most pissed off I've ever been in my life with sports is I was announcing in Lafayette living in Baton Rouge and I was staying with my parents because my parents live in Lafayette, obviously. And after that game, I drove to Baton Rouge because I was so pissed off. I couldn't go back to my parents' house because I didn't want to talk to my dad because I knew he would ask me questions about the game. So I just went home. I went home at uh, 12 a.m. And sat in a bathtub for two hours because I was so pissed off and needed to cool down. I I would not want to play Jackson State in any sport right now because they got momentum. I'm with you. I I, I didn't know this, but uh, Mike Howard just said thanks. Uh, that's a good conversation that we're having. 
HBCU isn't in FCF playoff. I didn't know that. So this is why I think Dion has such a unique opportunity to make change. And I know that that's what it's all about. Everything that he's done since he got to Jackson State was to bring about change in some way, shape, or form. If you, I don't know how the HBCU handles their business, if they want to be included in the FCF playoff, how, how they do it. But if they did, that's a unique opportunity he has. So that, well, that's kind well, of why I... So, so I think that's one thing he's done is he's brought up the conversation. One thing I will say is that he has ended up, he has ended up uh, bringing up the conversation of whether or not they should be. Now you have to look at it from a a monetary standpoint, take the Bayou classic, for example, Southern and Grambling, they play in the Bayou classic, the money that comes in to these programs to be able to play on NBC or whatever station they're on and on national TV that's kind of the trade-off to being in the FCS playoff because technically that's kind of like it's their money game essentially. It's their money game. It's yeah. like their their Super Bowl, and it's technically treated like a Super Bowl. So they make all this money. They got all the fans that come in the pageantry, the battle of the bands. You you bring it. That's a cash cow as opposed to say you got to go play in Montana in fifteen degree weather, possibly lose, and really it becomes an expense off of your budget because you got to travel and pay for it rather than bring in this cash cow in the Bayou Classic. Yeah, so That's a really good point. I've had that, like I said, I've, I've had that discussion with people from Southern and, and I've had with, with some people within the, within the SWAC community and they've said that. And Because I, I asked them that. I said, if your team's good enough to compete in the FCS playoff, why not? And they're like, well, you look at, the, you look at what we bring in for these, these classic games and it, it's, it's just it's, it's hard to say no to. I just and actually make, make it part of the schedule. And, and you, you know what? In the FCS. Come, you know where I got it from, Nick? Uh, that answer was uh, I used to get my lunches with old Big Dave Thibodeau, and that's Big Dave told me that. And uh, Big Dave, it's, it's, it's an learned, interesting conversation. Learned a lot of wisdom because I remember asking Dave. I said, Dave, because Dave, Dave has you know, Dave has a lot of friends, and we he covered kids that played at, at those schools. And I said, why won't they play in the FCS playoffs? And he's like, Jerry, he said, oh, too much money, man, too much money. I said. That, that'll explain it. <laughs> that'll answer the I question. Just, I just feel like you could build that into your schedule. It could be the rivalry week game. I mean, you know, I don't know. I think Possibly. that Dion has a unique opportunity to really change some stuff if that is the goal for the HBCU and the way that they handle their business. Terry, give you the last thought on the conversation, and then we'll move. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm from Mississippi. Uh, I just thought Dion has done so much for the economy of Mississippi more than the governor has. Uh, for the, for black people, I'm telling you that like for facts, for people that still live there, and you know, he's done so much in his years there. Um, but the, you you ask why would he leave? He would leave. He doesn't need fame. He's already famous. He doesn't need money. He's already has so much money. He would leave for a bigger job for his assistant coaches under him because they need to get paid too. I mean, that is. I mean, I talked to my father about this. I was like. Man, like, yeah, how long do you think Deion stay there? It's like, how much money do you think his head coach, his assistants are getting paid? They ain't really getting paid that much. So, yeah, Colorado wouldn't be, you know, attractive. But I guarantee you he's thinking about the guys working under him, you know, because they have families, they have dreams, they have goals, right? So, I mean, would it be, you know, a situation like, same situation like the guy we don't want to name? Probably not. But, you know, there's a certain bit of like, you know, Hey, you come with me. I'm gonna take care of you. Type of situation with that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's that's that would be the reason why he would go because they ain't making that much money. In, in, in as as great as he has made that university and the economy of the of the state of Mississippi, it's not the same. It's not on the same level. That's why he would leave. Yeah, it's well, money. I, it's I at money. least hope Absolutely. that he's starting a trend. 
of these these you know great athletes that have an opportunity to go back and coach there, go to these programs and coach, uh, even if it's not alumni, it's just guys like Dion that want to make a mark. I have a ton of respect for what he did, and, and I hope that I hope it's a trend. And you know what else has done? He, look, he's a, look at his games. He's got Snoop Dogg in the locker room for his pregame speeches. He's got all these rappers and all these these headliners coming into the, and these these eighteen nineteen year old kids see that they're like, oh my gosh, this this guy wants to hang out with me. And then Eddie George, Eddie George took a job, I believe, at Tennessee State. You seeing a oh, lot? Oh, did of he? Players. I didn't know that. Yeah, you got a lot of former players coming in, taking head coaching jobs at these schools. So I think setting look, that's really what he is as a trend setter. He's not, we know he's not going to be there forever. Even if he decides to retire one day, he's not going to be there forever. But one thing he has done is he's created sort of that machine to start rolling and say, look, these schools are here. There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of history to these schools. Let's make it something special. Like, for example, college game day going to Jackson, Mississippi. When was the last time college game day went to an HPCU? And not only did, did they go, that was a great That was a great. It was event. great. Yeah, that was awesome. was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's what he's done. That's that's more important than him, you know, win, just winning. That's what that's the impact he's left. I, I agree, Terry. Thanks for chiming in, man. It helped us. Uh, we went a little longer than we expected, but Terry also, needs to be. I'm telling you, like said, Terry bit. needs to be our our fourth panel he's, guest. He's for like, the he's like our, our 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 sideline reporter. There you go. Hey, exactly. If I wasn't in the Navy and I had to deploy all the time, I definitely would take y'all up on that. But this will work. Uh, this will work just fine, my man. Terry, thanks. Thanks again. Appreciate all your comments. Thanks for everybody who tuned in. If you like what we do, hit the subscribe button, like, share, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the gram, and all the other stuff we're on. We're going bowling, folks. Six and six. Possibly the Independence Bowl. I saw a couple of people saying maybe the Cure Bowl. Don't want to go back to Orlando. No. Although the flights are cheap. I checked them. They're cheap. So, anyway, we're going to get out of here. We'll see y'all soon enough. Not sure exactly how we're going to handle the pseudo offseason here. It's like a month break. So, we'll figure it out. We have an interesting interview coming your way. So, stay tuned for that. Uh, Go Aggies is the last thing. Good night.